Roll call, please. Ms. Lees? Here. Mr. Beck? Here. Mr. Bryan? Here. I move approval of the agenda. Second. Roll call. Ms. Lees? Aye. Mr. Beck? Aye. Mr. Bryan? Aye. I move approval of minutes, regular meeting minutes, March 7th, 2023. Second. Roll call. Mr. Beck? Aye. 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 Fiscal officer's report. Oh yes, yeah. sorry, Joe couldn't be with us tonight. He's in uh, on vacation this week, so I will be filling in his place. Uh, in our checking account balance, we have nine million nine hundred ninety-three thousand four hundred thirty-two dollars and ninety-five cents. In our HRA account balance, we have eleven thousand five hundred and eleven dollars and three cents. In our meter investment account balance, we have eight million two hundred seventy-four thousand seven hundred seventeen dollars and seventy-two cents. <clears throat> Under revenue to date. We have taken in $5,018,759.58, which is 41.994% to date. Under our revenue budgeted, we budget $11,951,159.86. For our 2023 appropriations, we have appropriated $16,036,177.29. Under our expenditures to date, which is 15%, we have spent $2,428,683.17. Under the payments for March, it would be $690,013.93. Under major fund balances, the general fund has a balance of $2,972,201.47. Under the park levy, $657,119.35. Under the Rossi Park levy, we have $554,727.60. In the police levy, we have $1,177,232.77. In the fire levy, we have $882,158.87. Under the road levy, we have $537,949.36. Under the safety services levy, we have $4,541,315.62. Under the ARP fund, we have $1,222,607.36. And then the tax increment financing fund, our TIF, we have $2 million $967,674.40. For total overall funds, we have $18,141,379.15. Thank you, Kim. Is there any discussion? I move that we approve the fiscal officer's report of April 11th, 2023. Second. Discussion? Roll call, please. Mr. Beck? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Uh, we do not have any presentations uh, at this time prior to the public hearing, so that brings us right into the public hearing. So I move that we open the public hearing to review a major revision to an existing EE planned residence district 
and zone change application received to change the zoning from A residence to EE planned residence with subservient retail for the lots located at 8322 East Kemper Road and 11540 Snyder Road. Second. Okay. Um, roll call. Mr. Beck? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Okay, so we are in public hearing now, uh, which is like a subset of, of the overall trustees meeting. So we, we move into this and then we will adjourn at the end of the public hearing. Um, so just a few upfront rules of the road, if we can. Uh, number one, we're first gonna hear from Hamilton County. Nathan Baker is here uh, from Hamilton County um, to kind of tee off this public hearing. Uh, next, we will uh, have the applicant provide their presentation. Um, and are there, uh, Mr. Burke, are there, do you have a presentation to follow that or should we just go right into the comments? I prefer to save my presentation for after you first come follow the questions. Roger that. Okay, um, which that's perfect segue. We are gonna go ahead and, and listen to folks in four uh, the, the condition and then those against the condition and that's it and then we'll go to Mr. Burke at that point. Are we going to set rules like if yeah. one person says one thing then the second person you can raise you go ahead. Yeah yeah that's fine we don't if I guess what Jody's saying if if somebody has something to say and somebody else has the same point to make we don't have to keep cycling up to the podium for that. Uh, we could just do a show of hands um, just to save time and, and energy with that. Uh, the other thing, since we do have folks, and I'm not sure folks out in the foyer can actually hear us. Um, so if we could, out of courtesy, once folks have a chance to, to speak at the podium, if they wouldn't mind cycling out, and then those folks can cycle in, that every, everybody gets a chance uh, to be in the room, so to speak. Does that sound good? All right. Uh, we're going to turn it over to Mr. Nathan Baker, please. Thank you. Zone change request from A residence to double E planned residence. So the purpose is to replace the existing double E district um, from case 2014-01 and to expand the existing restaurant property to allow the de demolition of the existing single family home for construction of a parking lot addition. So the site is located at the northeast intersection of Snyder Road and East Kemper Road and is approximately four and a half acres in size. So the site <clears throat> um, history, the, re the restaurant was in existing prior to 2001 and was uh, considered a non-conforming use. And in 2001, um, 02, the site went through a zone change um, to bring the site into conformance and has gone through several major revisions uh, since with the latest being approved in 2014. Um, an FDP modification was approved in 2020 to allow the uh, expansion of the existing building. However, that was never constructed. And another modification was approved this last year 
um, reducing the uh, approved um, addition. So the applicant is now proposing to demolish the single family home at 1154 Snyder Road, um, located north of the existing restaurants, and both parcels would be consolidated as part of this expansion. Um, the expanded parking lot would contain 117 additional parking spaces for a total of 265 uh, spaces. A streetscape <coughs> buffer is proposed along Snyder Road and, um, and is pr proposing a 25-foot um, buffer, boundary buffer along the northern with the uh, earth berm, a six-foot tall privacy fence, and uh, landscaping. So a staff review conference was held um, on December 12th. In addition to representatives of the applicant staff and Sims Township, four, res four citizens attended the meeting. Issues and concerns raised at the meeting included buffering between the properties to the north and the um, existing restaurant, and the existence of a volleyball court on an adjacent property um, to the north that encroaches onto the subject property. Uh, traffic and lighting were also briefly discussed. So moving on to land use plan consistency, the land, Sims Township land use plan map designates the zone change area as single family residence um, and retail neighborhood. Um, staff finds that the majority of the site is designated as retail neighborhood and staff finds that the existing restaurant use is consistent with this designation. However, the uh, proposed parking lot area to the north um, is designated as single-family residence and the uh, proposed parking lot use would not um, be consistent with the adopted land use plan. Therefore, uh, staff recommends denial of the um, proposal based on the land use plan consistency. Um, moving on to thoroughfare plan consistency, uh, the applicable, the Snyder Road is a considered a minor arterial requiring 100 feet of right-of-way, um, 50 feet from the center line, and the applicant is um, indicating that 50-foot right-of-way requirements. Um, so, it, per the staff report, um, the, the um, applicant initially proposed a 17-foot boundary buffer along the northern property line. Um, however, the applicant has submitted uh, updated plans that um, shows a 25-foot boundary buffer with the required landscaping located in um, the development. Um, and as mentioned, there was an adjacent volleyball net um, located at 8317 Patrillo Lane, um, and the applicant is indicating that on the site plan, um, and, and staff uh, would recommend a condition to allow the encroachment of the outdoor play area in the area shown on the site plans, if approved. Um, and as mentioned, the site is, the existing restaurant is an existing double E planned residence. Um, and if approved, this um, uh, zone change would actually replace that uh, 2014-02 case. Um, therefore, uh, staff recommends, if approved, to bring forward uh, the uh, three variances related to setbacks, streetscape modifications, and a loading space requirement. Um, and staff finds that this would still be necessary as part of this request. 
So that kind of goes over the general um, proposal. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Probably been revised since he wrote a staff report. So. Okay. Perhaps, All right, yeah. that's fine. Um, 145 to begin with. Yeah, so now we're done. It was 116 new okay. and 108 net. Okay. With some of the losses. Okay. 108 I just, net out of the 117? 108 net. Yeah. Plus, I believe you I'm said sure there's. what net means. Let's just let them make yeah. the presentation. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Any other questions? All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. Good job. All right. With that, we will then roll into the applicant's presentation. Hello, trustees. My name is Brian Donald, Cincinnati Nine Contractors at 7143 East Kemper Road, representing the Silver Spring House as the applicant. Uh, just to kind of correct the parking, we have 105 net. So 105 net means is that we had 125, all right? And then we lost some because we had to put aisleways, right? And then the net result of that is an additional above everything else, 105. Okay. So once we go uh, to 105, add on the existing parking spots that are still left, we get 265. Okay. So, so that number. So the Silver Spring House will have 265 parking spots. Total. Okay, thank you. Um, how many, let's see, zoning plan, how many uh, does the footprint of the restaurant require as a minimum? The site is over first, existing. Um, I think it met the minimal, right, Kim? Yes, but it's definitely over over yeah, the, the minimum amount. Okay. Over over minimum. Do, do we have that answer, Kim? Nathan, do you need me to run upstairs into the code? No, nope. the requirement Thank is you. 108. Is the requirement by the code for the entire footprint as it now exists? As it now exists, yes. Okay. All right. But Thank that changes uh, with the culture of the way you know the Silver Spring House patrons come. Okay. And that's minimal so that requirements. Minimal requirements, correct. That's okay. minimal requirements. So if I subtract 105 that you're talking about net on the expansion from the total of 265. It says we have what 150. You actually have 160. Okay. Now, currently. Currently. Okay. Right. Hmm. So when it means minimal, that's what the minimum amount that the county wants for the parking area, correct? But generally speaking, I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm just trying to make sure I understand this. That businesses put more than minimal. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. You can't Thank operate you. the business if right. you're below the minimum. I just want to collect, make sure I understand that. Okay. All right. So we're going to be doing a multi-stage presentation where different individuals will address concerns and comments that have been previously voiced. At the end, if we haven't addressed any of your questions that you still have, we can answer them then. I first want to point out the differences between the original proposal and the current proposal we have before you now. The reason for the changes is to address the concerns of light, noise, aesthetics, and stormwater. So I'm not going to go through some of the stuff as Nathan already went over, but we do have a six-foot fence that used to be here. And that's on top of a berm? Yeah, so we used the, the original plan. Oh, wrong one. The original plan had a fence just right there. Okay. Now our initial plan. Now go to the next one. The new plan has the, the fence right along here. So we've basically inc incorporated this whole entire area with the fence. So from here, up here, all the way over here. So before we just had it here, now we have it all the way around the parking to help the headlights and then screening from the adjacent neighbors. And where is this? That are about 10 foot back from the property line. So we have them even more further back. So in, in some of them, point one, at about uh, 20 foot back. So it's even less light than there was before. And how and tall are, are yeah. those, did you say? At the same how tall question. are what? The candles. The light poles. The light poles are going to be a three foot base plus 12 foot light, so a total of 15 feet. Okay. All right. That's what was in our code. And they have shields? They have shields. They're all shielded. Yep. You got it. So let's go on to, Kevin, if you don't mind going to the next page of Silver Drawings. We'll explain. <coughs> yes, from water. So what we've done is put a detention pond here, which basically holds a little bit of water for a little bit of time, and then lets it out slowly in here. So all the storm water that's going to be collected here will go into the curves and gutters, go into the uh, pipe, and go out. The only place that we didn't have before that we have now is a trench drain or a French drain that runs all the way around here. That way if any water runs off here, it's going to run into this drain, be collected, go through the catch base and go out. So literally by this design now, no water will run onto any adjacent properties. I know they were concerned about that because it's flat, it lays wet a lot back there, okay. and uh, <coughs> that should totally mitigate that issue 100%. So you said that is a French drain. Yeah, so basically perforated it's a perforated pipe, pipe that goes underneath grade. the ground that's yeah. got, you know, rocks around it and the water will percolate through that. that it's that dash line right there. So it goes all the way across mm -hmm. the property, northern property, and then pipes into here, pipes into the catch basin, which then goes into the stormwater detention pond and then goes out. Okay. And how does this, so we're like right there on the screen, are we looking Okay, so yeah, it says EX. So that's existing detention. Yeah. yeah. So is that getting bigger or the same it is size? Or is it moved, like longer? It's going to the north. Okay. Yeah, it's going from here up to there. Okay. The majority of the, of the water will be here. Mm -hmm. So it drains to mm -hmm. the south. Right. Okay. 
the whole dry the whole site drains from north to south. And really, if you mind zooming out just a little bit, Kevin. It drains right now. Currently, the whole site drains this way. So from this, from Snyder all the way down. So now, if we collect it all right here and then take it in here and out, it will not affect the neighbors one bit. That's a hundred percent. It won't affect the neighbors. Hundred percent. Okay. Every every single piece of stormwater will be taken away from that area. Would, would you mind zooming out just a little bit so we can see the uh, north boundary line? Thank you. <clears throat> Okay. So there are inlets throughout the parking expansion. It's all drains right here. It's slopes. Slope this site slopes from high to low. That's Got the it. way the natural slope is. Okay. So there's only one catch basin there. Uh, there's I believe there's two. There's one here. Okay. And then one here. Any more questions on the stormwater? Are, are you going to grass over that uh, French drain issue? Mm -hmm. It would be within the berm, right? In the berm, yes. That would be grass over. So actually, that's a good question. So is the berm, what is the, is the berm mulched or grass It'll or what mul is that? Mulching grass, you'll see in the, in the renderings. Okay. Okay. Um, so as far as the landscape plan, we'll go to that next. You dramatically increase the landscape plan. I'm going to go through some numbers of comparison. The original design was pretty much done to minimum standards. And we have like 38, 89 um, trees and bushes. And when we did the new one, we increased certain things. And I can show you the next one. You can go ahead and go to the yeah, current proposal. So streetscape buffer still um, is exactly what is required. So 10 feet, 10 feet, three trees, 34 shrubs. There's no change in that. The northern buffer is where we've done a lot. So we have the 25 foot buffer. Then we have the 85 trees, which only is required of 17, which is a 400% increase above the minimum requirements. Can I ask a question? Though? Sure. So when you put in the trees, are they five foot trees? Are they 20 foot trees? Or do you know, do you That's have a like question? Caliper. So they're all going to be different sizes depending upon the type of tree. So some of them will be put at an initial height of five to six feet. Um, some will be six to six, eight feet. Um, and this is before the fence. So it'll be, it'll be the trees and then the, the three foot berm and then the six foot fence. You got it. Okay. Yeah. So the tree, and the great thing about one of the trees that we're doing to help reduce noise um, and uh, visual impact, aesthetics, we've used green giant arborvitaes. Those grow at three to five feet per year. They get really tall and they help absorb a lot of noise. 
So we've planted a lot of them all over the place. And, and that leads to my next question, and probably nobody thought to do this, but in the parking lot that exists now, did anybody do a noise study? We have not done a noise study, no. Okay. And what's the, I should know this, because I just planted some of these same trees in my side yard, but what is the ideal spacing for these arbovitae? I believe they're six feet. I believe okay. that's the case. Sign and I, and I could have somebody come up later. <coughs> and so that when they grow, they, they become they make a wall. Like yeah. And you'll but see they that don't kill each yeah. other because they're too close. No, they don't. They grow together quite well. Okay. Because okay. I've killed trees by putting yeah. them too close. And that's my, my next <laughs> yeah. question. Is there a plan in place if something dies? I mean, are, yeah, are, are, are yeah. we would obviously replace whatever, whatever died. Yeah, it's hard to replace it with the same size. Here, you're always stair stepping yeah. when you replace something. But that's like a guarantee that you replace it? Yeah. Okay. So going back to the northern Buffalo yard, we have 85 trees and 17 required a 400% increase in what's required. Uh, because of the fence, there's not a shrub requirement, but we do have 10. And then if we go to the eastern buffer yard, uh, that width is 60.6 .6 feet, and it's only required to be 25, which is a 142% increase in the buffer yard size. And on the eastern buffer, we're providing 18 trees, and only six are required, which is a 200% increase in the requirement along the eastern boundary. Uh, and there is no shrub requirement because of the fence. The interior vehicular use area landscaping, we are providing 4,302 square feet. Only 2,552 square feet is required. That is a 68.5% increase. The trees that we're providing there are 13 versus the 12, which is an 8.3% increase. And the amount of shrubs we're providing is 77 which is and which is required to be 36 which is 113 percent increase so overall we have a total of 119 trees as opposed to 38 which is only required 121 shrubs as opposed to 89 that's required uh oh excuse me uh 70 because we uh, changed the uh parking spots got less so excuse me 121 to 70 <coughs> and that is an overall an increase of 213% more trees and an increase of 72% more shrubs overall. And then as we go to the renderings. How, how did you come to that? How did I come to that? Yeah, like versus 120 trees or 118 trees or, you know, how did, how did that? Gotcha. What's so, the strategy? So the strategy is that the closer you are to somebody's property, the more foliage and things that you need to screen. Mm -hmm. So like the northern edge, we've got 25 feet away from the property line. So therefore, we need to pack in more trees to get it to more screening, more dense. That's why we have 400% along the northern. Then the eastern, we have a 60-foot yard as opposed to 25. Okay. So that way, we don't need as much screening, as much dense foliage to be able to, to adequately screen that and to provide a nice distance between the residents mm -hmm. and the parking. So that's the that's the rationale behind that. And I'm sorry, when you say 25 feet and 60 feet, what yes. is that? That's from the property line to, to the where? parking. To the edge of the parking? You got it. Okay. Yes. I that eastern boundary is uh, relative to other commercial property, is it not? 
Uh, there is. It is kind of closely is come there to any the corner. residential property there on the east side? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is residential property. Yes. I have a question regarding the parking spots. You started at 117, now you're down to 105. Why do you need 105 more parking spots? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. I'm going to speak in general. Okay. But Thank I'm going to have uh, the co owner of Stiller Spring House, okay. Joe Kendall, come up. He's going to speak to that. Okay. Um, but in general, the culture of the Spring House is a place to meet family, friends, business, you know co-workers stuff like that to where people come and not just you know several people per car like two three per car we're coming one two per car so a typical restaurant is not with a ratio like the zoning code your zoning code has is not going to work in this instance because of the culture of the business but Joe Kendall when he comes up he'll explain more of that okay any other questions on that okay and then as far as going to the renderings, just wanted to give you an idea. This is what the amount of trees and shrubs look like from a minimum code standpoint. So you can see that it's not real dense here. You can see this whole fence line here. There's not, it's not really dense here. Um, not very dense there. You can see through these trees fairly easily. You can see the homes above, above the fence quite easily. Um, let's go ahead and move to the to the new one. So the current plan, you can see there's, you know, we're, we're complete density here where you're not seeing anything. And that's what those arborvitaes are right there. They grow three to five feet per year. They grow real tall and really hardy. So what we, how many years was that? That right there is a 10 year growth that you're seeing. So I thought that would be a good average. Didn't want to do the full maturity. Didn't want to do it day one. That this is about a 10 year growth that you're going to get. But these are going to top out really quick. Again, three to five feet per year. So if you plant them at six, let's say we plant them at six feet high. So you know, let's just say you know, five, 10, 15, and three years or an additional 15, you're already at 20 feet uh, with these just in three years. So that's why we chose these trees so we can mature quicker. Yes, and you can't see that fence right now through that area right there. Yeah, so like if you look from the parking lot side, you can see those all those arborvitaes. That's what that row is right there. <clears throat> you can see all that. Yeah, go ahead and zoom in. That's and is that fence solid? It is solid. It's a solid vinyl fence, yes. So that's the initial uh, minimum landscape requirements. And then this would be the overabundance requirements. So the only reason you're seeing a gap there is because of that volleyball court that's there. We're you know, allowing them to come in and encourage on our Center Soap Springs House property to be able to get that. And that's the only reason you're seeing a gap there. And how, how was that color of fence selected? Uh, the color of fence was just uh, something that we thought would be aesthetically pleasing. It's just an off-white. I believe the residents would like it to be tan, but we don't have a problem with that. I mean, it could be, theoretically, one color on facing the residents and that's one true. color facing the business. It could if, possibly, um, could possibly. Typically, those things come in a solid color. On yeah, yeah. both, but right. yeah. But so again, ideally, try and find a color that everybody. Yeah, I, you know, and I honestly don't think that with. whatever the, the residents would want, I'm sure that Silver Spring House would more than be willing to 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 provide. Go on the next and this is uh, without this is with minimum landscape requirements this is looking a shot looking from the northeast from the restaurant and then you can see again 
the dense foliage again there's that gap that I'm pointing out to you where the uh, the volleyball court is and you see complete density and screening go ahead this is just an aerial view this is what it is on the uh, initial plan to where we don't have the uh, amount of density and here it is you see how much more we have right there would you mind going back one slide sure so does that show the fence there it does it's just it's kind of hard to see but it's right there okay so the trees are on the silver spring house side the, right? the trees mm -hmm. are on the silver spring house side but they're on the they're on the they're facing the residents so the residents get the view of the landscaping and then the and fence. then and then the fence right. is the view of the silver spring house okay And this is initial plan again. This is something from A309 Patrol. You can see, okay, this is the berm. There's the mulch berm. There's the fence back there. So this is with minimum requirements. So then we want to change it to better so you don't even see that. So again, much and more that's the resident side. That's the resident side, yes. Okay. This is the volleyball area. This is with the minimum requirements. And then this is with the current requirements that we have you can see a little little part of the fence just right there so that shows mulch on the berm yeah mulch on the berm and then grass down at the bottom so 8327 patrol lane view again this is minimal requirements you can see the fence and then we begin we put up all those dense trees and you can barely see it and you'll be responsible for mulching yes every year or whatever yes and weeds yes all that okay again this is from 8343 patrilla you can see this is across the detention pond the detention pond will be right there just a grass field <coughs> and then you'd be able to see the fence and then with then you get the more dense arborvitaes in it and it starts to go away do those show the shrubs we don't have shrubs on that location Oh. That's not a requirement, but oh, we could okay. put shrubs in. But yeah, it's not a requirement. Okay. And I'm sorry, could you go back facing north? I guess back us. So does that show the shrubs in those those views? So the shrubs are going to be <coughs> the Silver Spring House side. All the all the landscaping is going to be, with the exception of the interior vehicle use area landscaping that's required, all of that landscaping will be on the facing the pro the uh, neighbor's property. Mm -hmm. Are there oh, shrubs shown in in the renderings? Uh, yes, the only shrubs that we have, if you go back to um, the volleyball one, that's probably the best place to show the shrubs that we do have. I had 121 of them. I want to find out where they were. Uh, most of those are in the in the parking lot got it so okay. the shrubs that we have are along right here that's to give some softness and screen for the fence since there's no trees in there in that area got it so when you're when we're looking at circles on the plan are is it safe to say all of or most of those are arborvitae circles yes yeah if you if you look at um, go back to, probably the best one to look at Kevin would be the colored site plan the the current one yeah all the way to the beginning 
There you go. So right here, see that kind of swoosh in and out? Mm -hmm. That is the line of Arborvitae's almost creates a continuous kind of fence in itself okay. right there. Okay. And then they're broken up in, you know, in these pods with some other uh, deciduous trees. And then this one is uh, almost a continuous line with the exception of a few deciduous trees mixed in. And the shrubs are in the islands. <coughs> yeah, excuse me. The shrubs are in the islands here, mm -hmm. here, 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 and then here. And then the, the volleyball court, can you, like, there's yeah. going to be no fence there? There's a fence right here. Right here. So yes. Moving the fence. No, I mean, but the fence is there, and then it comes. Okay. Yeah, I, so I figured it out. You got it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Okay. So the fence is continuous. Yes. But the landscaping there's is no indented landscaping there. to allow for the volleyball court. That's stay. the fence right there. It's the uh, okay. kind of tan brownish tan line with the dots right. is that a gate that is a gate hmm. i don't even have my glasses on so that's that, that in case a ball gets lost over there they can go through there oh um speaking of this plan so at one point because i was reading all the the, the regional planning notes mm -hmm. and then Planning Commission or Zoning Commission, I'm sorry. Um, so there was concern about a runaway car. So if you do the parallel parking, does that alleviate that concern? And at the other side, if you get a runaway car, it goes down the down into the, the ditch. Right into the into the detention pond. Right. Correct. Um, do you guys have any more questions regarding that? Uh, you said something about the deciduous trees along mm -hmm. there. the big circles. Yeah, the big the circles big are circles. deciduous trees <coughs> right there. Those, those are part of the landscaping plan. They're not existing. They are not existing. No. Okay. And what caliper or what? What are you planning to put there? Uh, Foot spread. Yeah, I don't, it, it won't grow as quick as the arborvitaes, but Are there any other questions on that? Okay. I know there's a, a big desire to uh, have and keep the existing uh, property as much as that's there with the existing vegetation as much as possible but because of the need to masquerade the site and the poor condition of the vegetation and safety concerns the arborist Chris Cuprianis will speak to you about the condition of the vegetation and why providing clean organized and non-evasive new landscaping will be better than what is existing one quick question before you oh, sure. sit down Brian so you started out you said you're going to talk about light noise aesthetics and stormwater mm-hmm I know you covered light, 
aesthetics and stormwater. What about the noise? Did you cover So that? the arborvitaes are the ones that provide the best noise absorption. They're more okay. denser, they're tighter together, so they will absorb the sound instead of reflecting it or letting it through. Okay. All right. And then Thank the fence you. will reflect the other stuff back. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Any you. Other questions? How you doing? Uh, my name is Chris Cuprionis. I'm the owner of the TC Group. Uh, we were asked to walk the lot as it exists right now and render our opinion kind of about the health of the trees and the natural state of the ground, everything like that. We've done site prep for people, you know, in terms of coming in, clearing trees, sites, root balls for new construction. So what we did is I brought my arborist, Adam, and we made a couple visits to the site where we actually counted the existing trees and then took a look at the health of more of the mature trees, you know, the 40, 50 year old, 60 foot tall, majority sugar maples, but there are still unbelievably still some ash trees on there. They're not alive, but they're still on there. Uh, there's, the majority of the trees are maple and some evergreen trees. And we kind of walked through and looked at all of the trees the way they grow in a dense forest you know seeking sunlight versus an urban environment of what we're talking about here whether it's residential a parking lot a park setting there there it's an urban environment it's not the deep woods so what we did is walk through from our opinion of it and said which trees do we deem safe if if you were going to do anything let's say you just put a park in there the trees that we felt they had to go uh whether you destroy the house that's there because of its shape and build a new single-family home multi-family home parking lot that wasn't our agenda our agenda was if we had to come in here for somebody like CUC and give our opinion this was our opinion it's pretty short you know it's a two-page rendering I believe you have it everybody has the two-page rendering to where we kind of walked in from the street which is the west side and through and the majority of the trees we are asked to count the trees that we we found <clears throat> and a lot of the trees especially the sugar maples i don't know if anybody deals with sugar maples in their own home a lot of times they come out with what is multiple trunks co-dominant stems and what we found through experience you know is the cracking and fracturing as the trees get large for the first 20 years that's not a very big issue but as the trees grow, the canopy, the direction of the lean, where they lean away from each other, and the rot that gets in between the co-dominant stems becomes an issue, you know. And I think with a lot of the majority, with the majority of these larger trees, they're not in good shape. They're already cracking and breaking at the top, falling on their own. And there are some trees that because of their lean, because of the root rot, because of the way that property really lays wet and they sit in water maple trees love water but there is a point to where too much water with too large a trees you end up with trees on the ground and we noticed a lot of that in this small property i think there's a lot of maintenance that needs to take place that because there's no resident there there there's no maintenance you know just like at your own house you see a lot of treetops that's these are dead trees they're just still standing. They haven't fallen yet. 
there's some more to the edge of the property line again whether they're on the homeowner side whether they're on the 11 540 side these trees are not very straight up and down and are not in very good health so you can see trees already on the ground throughout this picture they're just falling on their own it's only because they haven't been maintained like you should do in a residential setting in an urban environment so if this was the forest of course this would take place but there's really not that if they're not hazardous that tree falls in the forest who cares if it's our opinion that the majority of these trees there's there are still like I said there's still ash trees there's two ash trees up here there's mixed in ash trees throughout that are dead barkless and they will come down whether they're cut down mechanically or whether they just fall and blow down on their own so I'm sorry if not to interrupt no. did you say that there are ash trees but are some of them alive or no they're all dead they're all dead the ash trees are dead they and it's pretty much the ash bore has chewed through them mm -hmm. the I think there's maybe two ash trees that we found that still have bark but I don't think that's very long-lived I think they will start losing their bark as well okay you know and again our opinion that we found because I've, I've cleared sites for residential builders in the past and there's nothing here in my opinion that is worth saving I would think if you would come in and build your own home let's say I you know I bought the lot and I want to tear down the house and I want to put my house anywhere on this property there's not a there's not a very there, there's no chance of me keeping these trees underneath the house that I was getting ready to build mm -hmm. and that's the way that's the perspective I took not a parking lot perspective but if I came in to build my own house on this land <clears throat> there's already existing tree limbs on top of the house that's there and again I think that happens but this this it appears to me this property's been abandoned for years it this didn't just happen it looks like there hasn't been anybody there for a decade okay. you know mm -hmm. so as as we go through the pictures you can see like I said this is a good aerial view because you can see the tops of the trees but as we progress through the slides you know again here are trees that are falling on their own that is part of a co-dominant tree that it just split at the base into an existing ash clump that is coming down it just hasn't come down yet and as you look in the back you can see other trees on the ground and you can see along here where there's pine trees these are the type when you were asking about the spacing of the arborvitaes mm -hmm. these are the these are just general white pines so white pines and ponderosa pines uh, spruce those really are critical that you get the spacing right because you plant them when they're eight feet tall and they need probably a 25 foot separation because they are going to get 30 feet tall they grow in and they start killing each other they start starving each other for sunlight <coughs> water you name it they start doing it arborvitaes aren't that tree arborvitaes can grow together to form a hedge line mm -hmm. what uh, fence is that right this there? is the existing fence where on the other side is the existing <coughs> parking lot for the spring house which okay. would be to the south this is the the four acre property <coughs> From the spring house existing fence to the fence to the back property line of the other homes yeah that this is the fence right here okay so we that that picture was taken somewhere you know right in here looking 
that direction. Okay. And then, you know, also in the report that we, we gave, back in the back here, there are a lot of maple trees, and I'm going to say it's dominated by maple trees. There, there's a sycamore tree here and there. Uh, the majority of the trees in the back are maples, and you'll see in the sheet that it's a classified invasive species. Now, pear trees are now invasive in the state of Ohio. You can't go to your nursery and buy pear trees. They're doing away with them because they sprawl, and they take over and kill every other tree plant in their environment. Honeysuckle is already along that list where it's invasive. And besides all the honeysuckle, this is kind of hard to see here. Besides all the honeysuckle, you have maples, maple trees trying to reseed themselves. So the maple trees dropping and reseeding. So where you once had one maple tree, you've probably got about 150 saplings back there. We're talking one-inch caliper, really small saplings, the majority of which aren't going to make it because they're all going to fight each other for sunlight. In this situation, not water. There's plenty of water back there but they're all going to fight each other for sunlight and you're going to have a lot die off and the ones that do make it are going to fight and compete for the sunlight of the mature trees that's why in your own yard you've probably seen trees grow crooked straighten back up they just all try to fight to get that sunlight but even here you can see the trees that are falling in in this whole back area they're growing crooked there's a straight one here and there but i believe that's an ash tree it just hasn't fallen over yet uh, and this back here is dominated by honeysuckles. I did the best I could to tell you how many clumps of honeysuckle there were. Once it got back into the swamp, I did it more from a distance counting than actually walking up to them. We deal with honeysuckle all the time. Yeah, we remove honeysuckle all the time. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, so we understand. Yeah. Okay. And so none of the trees are worth saving. So well, when you're looking point. at these mature trees, uh, you can see, I mean, you can see right there that this ash tree is dead. This tree, the angle of the tree, I believe that is, I, I believe that's a sugar maple, and that's just part of the co-dominant stem. You have one part of the tree heading this way and one part of the tree not in the picture heading the other direction. Okay. So you start getting, like I said, what you get, a lot of people call it frost cracking, and a lot of times the trees when they're younger can survive that after the next season they'll just the, the frost cracking on the bark will heal itself when they get larger you, you're you're almost stuck with cabling the tree together mm. you know getting up higher running a bolt running a cable but you're okay it's it's tough thank you so much for your opinion yeah, yeah. i mean and basically like i said that's what it is it's my opinion but there's not many trees here that are healthy enough to keep okay thank you thank you Now we're going to bring up Joe Kendall, the co-owner of the Silver Spring House. He will now talk about the need for the parking, the petition support, and the response to the sports gambling. Good evening. Hi. <clears throat> Sorry. I haven't been talking for a while. <clears throat> My name is Joe Kendall, and I'm the co-owner of the Silver Spring House. And to the most of the people here, I'm just the other Joe. <laughs> I'm here tonight to discuss some of the issues that were brought up at the last zoning meeting on February 15th, most important of which is why we believe additional parking is needed, not only to benefit the Silver Spring House, but also the surrounding neighbors. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, and I'm getting confused myself, but we currently have 160 parking spaces before 6 p.m. 
and after 6 p.m. we have an additional 51 parking spaces in the adjacent office complex for a total of 211. Now we were granted the additional 51 spaces because without sharing our ingress egress on Kemper Road, the office complex never would have been approved. It was a business arrangement and I guess a thank you. The total number of parking spaces, although it may sound like a lot and it exceeds the code, does not adequately satisfy our needs. On a daily basis, the Silver Spring has an average of 400 customers at lunch and 800 customers at dinner. The 400 customers at lunch equates conservatively to 300 cars trying to park in a two hour, 11 to one parking window and 160 spaces. For those of you that are here tonight that are old enough to remember bumper cars at the State Fair, that is Silver Spring House, but it's on steroids. Dinner at the Silver Spring House averages 800 customers. Again, a conservative estimate would be 600 cars in a four, four hour, five to nine period in 211 spaces. Now that's doable, but it's tight. With the proposed added parking lot and the additional 105 spaces, not only will the customers benefit, but so will the surrounding neighbors. We have always enjoyed a symbiotic relationship with CHCA and I'm sure during off hours and slower times, the additional parking will be helpful in keeping their overflow parking off Snyder and Petrilla. Uh, Kevin. My partner, for some reason, was driving around on Petrilla and Snyder on April 4th, Tuesday at 6.03. That's Joe driving, so. And there was an event that night at CHCA and you're going to see a total of 51 cars parked on Petrilla and parked on Snyder. Now if we had our parking that would be that need would be eliminated. So you're opening up your parking spot to CHCA? We have always opened ours with yes we even let CHCA park in our parking lot when we had no parking for their students when they were building theirs so yes we've had reciprocal okay. we have a great relationship with CHCA and yeah, but there'd be no reason we would not let them. In the Sims zoning meeting on February 15th, people opposing this parking lot stated they believe Silver Spring House has adequate parking and does not need any more. I find that ironic because when we were applying for the current additions, it was unequivocally stated the Silver Spring House did not have enough parking for the expansion, even though code we did. Now the expansion is almost complete, more seats and more cars. I have the minutes of the Sims Township Zoning Commission regular meeting on October 21st, 2020, and this time I'd like to read from those minutes. Richard Goldberg of 8354 Jeanette Lane stated that his backyard is diagonally across the street from Kemper offices in Silver Spring House. He has a very strong opposition to the expansion because of the parking. You can drive by the restaurant any day between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m particularly on weekends and the parking lot is full and there are always cars parked on the edge of Snyder Road, which is a safety hazard. Mike's, Mark Steinhardt, 8387 Cheney Lane, stated he lives in the neighborhood across the street from Silver Spring House and he agrees with Mr. Goldberg on the parking situation. Jack Havrath, Jeanette Lane, stated he has seen patrons of Silver Spring House 
parking in Heartland subdivision on Jeanette Lane. His neighborhood is not a lot or an extension to the Silver Spring House. The Silver Spring House needs to supply sufficient parking. Joe and I, <laughs> Joe and I could not agree more with the statements that is why we are trying to rectify the parking at a cost of over a million dollars to increase the capabilities, share with CHCA when needed and keep cars from parking on Snyder and Petrillo. This should keep the surrounding neighborhoods safer. On a more positive note, we have received an outpouring of community support. We have received 556 petition signatures, an additional 1,078 online petition signatures. Of those signatures, 138 are from the residents of Sims Township. We have received dozens of letters of support, 26 actually, from the community, from the community which have been sent to the trustees. I also have this, which are, since last Thursday when we sent that to you, we have six new letters and more than 37 online signatures. So I can pass that up to you later if you'd like. Sorry. The last issue, oh, sorry, Brian. Sports gaming was an issue brought up at the last general meeting. It was rumored that we were going to put in a casino and that we would need additional parking to support the gamblers. This was quite a surprise to us since we have no intention of doing so. From December 1st of 2022, in its conception for gambling to April 6th of 2023, our total sales, which isn't just ours, I mean, it goes to the lottery, for sports betting is a whopping $1,617.33. So what it is is like a Keno machine. Yes, that's all it is. Okay. And it's done by the lottery, and we have two Keno machines. Well, I was going to go to there, but that's fine. We have two Keno machines in the restaurant. Sorry, I can't. And we oh, plan fine. on not increasing that. And so like a Keno machine, I mean, basically everybody's really betting from their phone. Well, now they are. That's why they don't need our... That's our they casino. Yes, they have their phone. Right. So if you wanted to bet, I mean, you could do it from your phone. You could do it from your phone, or, or if you yes, or yes, from, from the your home. Machine. You can do exactly. it when you're shopping at Kroger's or, or whatever. You, you spoke for me. Yes. Okay. I, I'm just trying. I, I wanted to so clarify if, that too. Let me. Sure. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but That's okay. this is a concern that has been brought up. Right. Are, are you willing to put something in writing that? I don't even know what it would say at this point, but is this one of those things we could find a meeting in the mines between the adjacent residents and Silver Spring House saying, you know, I'm not trying to make light of it, but you're not going to become uh, you know, Hard Rock Casino North. I mean, you want us to sacrifice our $1,600 that no. we've gotten? In? <laughs> no, I'm just saying we don't want that to No, it is not. Blow we have, up. No, we have no intention of doing that. Uh, let me see where I was. It was also rumored that betting would cause the Silver Spring House to extend its business hours. Okay. So what are your business hours right now? Well, we have a license fee open at 2 a.m., but uh, we very seldom make it. We're a bunch of older people. We have an older clientele. Uh, there's hardly anybody in there by midnight. I'm not going to say ever. I don't remember the last time we were open past one, not even for a special occasion. 
And if you ever had noise complaints from the residents in the past? Yes. Okay. When we had our big celebration one year and we had bands in the parking lot. It was during the day, not past 10 o'clock at night. And are you going to put ban bands in the parking lot? You need the parking. No. <laughs> we, we do that very rarely. No, we do okay. not. And if they would be in the parking lot, they're not going to be in that section? No. They would be in the building. They wouldn't be in the parking lot. It would be, we don't like it anyway. We don't, it takes up space. So we do not, we do it occasionally, but we don't do it past 10 o'clock at night. We would be just like a regular neighbor. Does that require its own permit? Yeah. Like a special event too. permit or whatever? Uh, no, it's just something we've always done for the neighbors and most of the people, they don't want us to come out past yeah, 10 o'clock anyway. I would think that it's part of their zoning, but I don't we've only done it once. It was for our 20th anniversary. We don't yeah. we don't have to do that again. Something that could be put in a restriction for Good. Okay. But it was also brought in with this with our casino. We would extend our hours of business. We do not ever attend expect to extend our hours. We've been proud of the fact that we are and always have been and always will be a family restaurant. Sports, sports gaming is just, it's lottery sales and it's right. hardly a casino. Okay, the increased parking is essential not because of sports gambling, but simply because of our current business, our current culture of one person, one car, and current expansion <coughs> due to opening in May. We, why didn't we consider parking before the expansion? We did. Originally when our expansion was approved, CHCA was in the process of acquiring this property. They needed it for a storage facility. Our plan was we were hoping to piggyback with CHCA and use the parking. CHCA's plans changed and Joe and I knew how important additional parking would be not only for Silver Spring House, but for the community. So we purchased from CHCA, therefore willing to incur all the cost of the project. That's it. I'd like to thank the trustees for listening to my comments. And now I will turn this back to Brian, unless there's questions for me. Sorry, my glasses are terrible. I can't see you with them on. And, you know. <laughs> I have to do the same. <laughs> yeah, I can't see them. Yeah. Okay, now I see everybody. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. There was also a concern about uh, property values being affected by this parking expansion. And so Nick Motes, a well-respected real estate broker and owner, will speak about case studies and impacts of these types of projects have on a community and the myth of them devaluating the properties. Good evening. Good evening. My name is uh, Nick Motes. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati resident. Okay, Good evening. Yeah. Lifelong Cincinnati resident. Uh, I grew up working in a uh, family business. Graduated from St. X High School, University of Cincinnati DAP program. And after college, I began uh, buying and rehabbing homes and small commercial properties. Uh, to supplement that, back in 1999, I, I got my real estate license. And I've been a um, agent owner uh, broker and I run my own brokerage for 10 years and I'm now a broker with EXP Realty. I was presented a question from Mr. Finney 
in regards to the proposed parking for Springhouse. Specifically, will it help or hurt property values in the surrounding neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods? Now, I know uh, Springhouse very well since every Saturday morning in high school and college, I personally delivered the fresh chicken that's still on their menu. What I didn't mention was our family business was the supplier of chicken for the Springhouse, and they were our biggest customer back in the day. <clears throat> so I remember the small stagecoach building, which is now built around. I remember it sat literally in a cornfield. And I remember just the rural nature of the whole intersection at that point in time. But I did marvel even then at the crowds that gathered there on the nights and the weekends. Silver Spring House is what I would call a destination-based business. A destination-based business is one that draws clientele both from within and outside the community. And you're seeing that with what's happening with their business plan. A destination business puts eyes, revenue, and growth and development into the surrounding areas. So to answer uh, Chris's question, I'm going to show you two very similar situations to the Springhouse story. One is the Little Miami Brewing Company in Milford, and one is Eli's Barbecue in the East End. Let's look at the Little Miami Brewing Company first. Uh, Little Miami Brewing uh, is in Old Town Milford. It draws patrons from Milford, Anderson, Indian Hill, Marymount, and further. Their success brought increased parking and the overflow ended up in the business district and the residential streets. Little Miami quickly saw the negative impact it was having and they went into proactive mode. And in, 19, in 2019, they purchased an additional parcel, which is outlined there on, on the drawing, to both build an event center and a large er, parking area. Now, it's a very similar situation. The, the backside of that uh, parcel does abut residential homes, and they're actually historic homes on Mound Street. And if you go past that um, edge of the drawing, it's Garfield Avenue. It's a pretty well-to-do uh, section of Old Town Milford. So with a similar well-thought-out plan, they were able to push the parking back onto their own parcel and keep it off of the um, residential and commercial streets which were choking down all the business and the residential uses. And when I looked at the um, home values in that surrounding area, if you go to the next slide, you'll see that year over year we've had slow and steady growth like, like you would expect in a thriving community, not uh, a negative growth period or negative values, but increased values. So in 2021, the median home price in Old Town Milford was 260. In 2022, it was 282.5, and then currently, we're up in the 300 price point. Let's go to case study number two, which is Eli's Barbecue in the East End in Columbia, Tuscan. Anyone that knows the Eli's story is amazed. It's another classic destination business, and it shows just how a business such as one of these can help a, a, a community thrive and, and revitalize in some cases. Eli's became a quick sensation in the same scenario. The parking dropped right down into the residential neighborhoods because they had basically zero parking on site. And 
once again, residents were blocked out of the driveways and it was having a negative impact. So the Eli's owners quickly saw this happening and they were once again proactive and partnered with the business association and the city leaders to put in a public parking facility along the Bab Alley in the back. That's currently going in as we speak. I took a look at the residential values in this area and once again, we're seeing not only slow steady growth, but exponential growth in this area. Uh, 2021, we had median home sales of 303,250, and um, currently we're up to 400. So once again, we're seeing explosive growth all the while our businesses are growing and parking needs are growing with them. So the conclusion, commercial and residential uses can coexist. In fact, most new developments uh, place residential uses with commercial uses and parking all integrated. And I think that the spring house, just like Little Miami Brewing and Eli's recognizes on the front end, the negative impact that's currently happening in the neighborhoods. We saw the overflow traffic on the back streets in that video. They want to pull that parking back off of those streets onto their parcel, and it's gonna actually help the residential uses and help the residential values. So to answer Mr. Finney's original question, I think the residential home values in this area will benefit by this uh, design parking. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you. All right, now Chris Finney at Finney Law Firm will wrap up our presentation showing this project is not out of character for the area from a historical perspective and the immediate need for it. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for all your time. All these wonderful residents have taken their time and, uh, and a lot out in the home and our presenters as well. Um, there's no question that the, and I'm sure Mr. Burke will bring this up, that the underlying plan uh, calls for residential in this particular area. And we're actually ask, asking you what you have the power to do, either in two steps or one, to do in one step uh, the zone change and a planned zone that allows for really the recognition of what has happened uh, in this area. Um, a couple dates that are important. Silver Spring House, we think, has been around at least since the 1940s. Correct. Is that right? And I think we have a photo, Kevin, of the old Sing Silver Spring House drive-in. And uh, this is from 1956. Um, and to me, it was interesting uh, to work on this project to see what really happened uh, in this area. And at the, this time, the area was clearly agricultural uh, and it had a quaint little uh, chickens, chicken store in the middle of the cornfields. Uh, and uh, both Snyder Road and East Kemper Road were two lane, uh, one, one lane in each direction roads. And the important part of my presentation is to talk about how this intersection and, and these properties and this property in specific, meaning the current Silver Spring House property and the parking lot expansion, is clearly not residential or agricultural anymore. It clearly is what I would call institutional and uh, commercial in that intersection. And you'll see that evolution. So let's go forward, Kevin. In 1968, you can see a little bit more development and now the Petrillo Lane 
houses start to go in, not much other development in that area, and, and uh, Kemper and Snyder are still two lanes each. Move forward, this is just the magic of Google Maps and Google Earth uh, over time. We go forward to 1994, which is a big leap, and something happened important six years prior to this, which is that Joe and Joe bought the Silver Spring House in 1988, and their uh, opening day was April Fool's Day. <laughs> and you, you can see in the room the uh, tremendous uh, supportive clientele they have, but it's been, it's been a wonderful and amazing story of success for them, for the community, for this intersection, which you're about to see, and they're not to give, be given all the credit for that, but they have grown along with this community. And they're, part of Nick Motes' presentation is just how important this is. And I, I don't know how, if you all understand how special, I'm in Anderson, and I can't think of a, a community gathering place where people go after football games. We got Skyline Chili, we got Pelican's Reef, we got a couple other things there. But nothing of this size and this uh, spirit that pulls the community together. It's really something special. Um, that you should be proud of and proud of what Joe and Joe have done in pulling that together. But we go forward to 1994, shortly after they bought that, and Kemper Lane is still two roads. The Silver Spring House is there. There is no Harper Station yet. There is no CHCA yet. There is no Welcome Center for CHCA yet. There is no office park, uh, office condominiums on uh, East Kemper Road yet. Uh, and you, you're about to see something I'm sure you all know and have experienced, but you'll get to see in photographic sense, the tremendous success of your community and what's been going on uh, during, from 1994 until today. In the 35 years that Joe and Joe have owned, run uh, a Silver Spring House to be such a success. Go ahead, Kevin. By 2000, CHCA is built. So in that six year time frame, CHCA was built you now have a four-lane road on East Kemper Road, and Harper Station has been developed. All of those things happened in that short six-year window. Tremendous growth and success. But what that means is that this plan that says that we have agriculture or we have residential in this area is outdated and doesn't recognize the real uses that are going on with that success. So in, in six years' time, you went from nothing on the CHCA site, nothing on the Harper Station site, I think that's right, yep, and, and, the, and the lane, uh, Kemper Lane, was still just two lanes, now four. It just in that six-year window, dramatic change. And then from tw 2000 to 2023, even more development at this intersection. So we go to 2004, 2005, 2006, and you'll see that Welcome House is still not there for the CHCA. Harper Station is fully developed. CHCA is fully developed. And then in 2009, the southwest corner of that intersection becomes the Welcome House for CHCA, which provides important parking that takes a lot of that pressure off of these residential streets. Both uh, to the right uh, there, there's a larger subdivision, uh, and um, and on Petrilla Lane, there's a lot of tension with parking in that area because it's, but they have relieved that now to some extent. And Joe, they moved the student parking from your lot, which you accommodated during those uh, few, at least nine years or six years or something. I'm not sure. During the day, you were helping them out, CHCA, and now they have the Welcome Center lot and they park student parking there and they also allow some employee parking there for you all. Is that correct? correct yes. Yeah. 
So again, there's a synergistic relationship between CHCA and uh, Silver Spring House. They've always worked well together, and in part because it's out of necessity that there is this need for parking in that area, and they complement one another. And by the way, one of the things that happens that really hasn't been stated yet is that the parents who, and we have one right here in the front row, uh, who go to Sil who go whose children go to the Silver Spring House will meet before and after school events, have dinner, have drinks, and meet with other parents. And so they'll park in the Silver Spring House lot, go to a CHCA event. They may park on the streets of, of Snyder or of uh, Petrilla or in that subdivision over here, but they, inter they just go one place or the other. Joe and Joe don't police that. The office park doesn't really police that, and CHCA doesn't police that. They work together on the parking issues, which is a wonderful thing. So we go forward from 2009 to 2010, 2011, 2012, and now we have the future side of the Kemper Professional Office Park, which is still, by two, just 11 years ago, was just trees. And we go to 12, 13, and now in 13, the site is cleared for the uh, office park or the office condominiums next door. And we go to 13, 14, and now in 14, two of the office buildings are built. And then in 15, the third office building is built, and you have the fully developed office park with the parking. And this is where Joe and Joe, or Joe Kendall tells you that they uh, obtained, I think, another 51, 51 spaces at night as a condition for their zoning. So that gives us an important outlet for those 800 people are people we have coming to the Silver Spring House at night and they do park over there and it's a wonderful help go ahead so 15 16 and by the way we now have at this intersection uh, five lanes in this direction and four lanes in this direction there's two turn lanes going south uh, and I think north on uh, Snyder and one through lane so there's a left right lane turn a right lane turn on Snyder and then East Kemper has two lanes plus a full center turn. So we've gone from four lanes at that intersection in the two directions to nine in this sequence of photos that you have seen. <clears throat> and I think that that's the extent of the changes, but go ahead and go forward, Kevin. 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. It's a good photo, nice and bright, and then 23. Um, but the go ahead back to 94, just 30 years prior. Is that 30 years? 23, 94. Um, none of this was here, and all of us were a lot younger. <laughs> but we've had tremendous, your community has enjoyed tremendous success. And the Silver Spring House has been an anchor and a part of that that whole time. Now, I think the next thing is again the video, Kevin. And I want to walk you through this video because we were really, this just came in Tuesday. Now, first thing to note is this was a weekday night at 6 o'clock. A normal weekday night. There happened to be an event at CHCA, but some of these people may have been parking uh, for Silver Spring House, or like I said, they might be doing both for the evening. And it's just the pressure on parking in that area. And Kevin, with his great technology, took us, and this is about two-tenths of a mile, and between Snyder Road and Petrilla, there was 56, 51 cars parked 
out in front of houses. And I said to Tim, Tim Burke and I talked last night, and I don't want to get too much into that, but do the residents on Petrilla enjoy this, that people park in front of their houses? Because this is going to relieve that at least to some great extent. Didn't get an answer to that. And I, do, I would love to hear that tonight because this is undeniable that this is a fairly common occurrence. Um, Unusual occurrence. Okay. Great. So go ahead and play the video. But these people are parking in front of the houses on Petrilla and Snyder, which is a very heavily traveled road, are parking out there in what I think could be somewhat of a dangerous situation. And obviously, the development of additional parking is going to relieve the pressure on the community from this. Just a week ago. This isn't you know, something that we manufactured or something that we kept in the can. As we were preparing for this evening, we said, wow, there's just that, that, that video speaks 10,000 words about the challenge that Silver Spring House has, CHCA has, and the residents have. And I know from parents of CHCA that they regularly park on the side streets on both Petrilla and the subdivision that's across from the Welcome Center lot. So now we're coming up to Snyder Road and you'll see both to the left and to the right a tremendous number of cars sort of parked in the berm on both sides that? of the street. Are you, serious? Are you allowed is, to do that? Is, I don't know if they're allowed to do that, is, but they is do. Is there it. another function going on? It was a special track. I was going to say, yeah, it's not generated by necessarily by Silver Spring House. No, I didn't say that. I think that, okay. that, that we don't know where all these cars. I'll tell you what, what I'll do is I'll present, and then when you speak, you get to present. What do you think about that idea? Okay, yeah. So, um, but from our perspective, we don't know where the cars came from, but this just shows, and go ahead and finish the video, because it goes up and down on Snyder, shows the challenges. And this is something I've been hearing for years from Joe and Joe, uh, and you heard from Mr. Goldberg and others who testified at prior zoning hearings that they felt that there was a, a, a uh, parking problem as well. This isn't our words, this is our opponent's words who have said this. And you're now leading right up to the Silver Spring House entrance on the left. A couple other, um, so the point of that presentation was to explain something that uh, we think is an important part of this, which is you do have a challenge. The underlying plan says residential. This house is not going to stay and there's never going to be a house built there again. This is not a residential area. It is an industrial, it is, I'm sorry, an institutional area with CHCA and its tremendous success. The Silver Spring House, the Welcome House, and the office complex there. That whole intersection has changed in character from residential and agricultural over that, just that from 94 until today. Dramatic change and dramatic success for your community during that time. So we did a drone shot of this, and I wanted to share a few perspectives from my, my perspective on this. First of all, if you've seen the house and you've seen the condition of the house, it's not going to remain. Nobody's going to renovate this house. This house is going to come down. And then you say, okay, just look at the open area. If you dem demolish the house, they're saying save the trees, save the trees, right? Well, there's a huge open area here to begin with, first of all, when the house comes down. Secondly, as the arbors and uh, uh, Mr. Coop, uh, I'll just say Coop, uh, testified 
there's really not much to save in the way of trees here. They're junk trees that are back here. So whoever, and by the way, whoever develops the site for whatever purpose anyway is going to take down most, if not all, the trees. But uh, they're not safe. They're not attractive. Most of them are dead. Uh, and uh, they're not hardy trees worth saving. So there's nothing there that's of importance. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, that's the only thing. We, okay. So what we did to show you using Kevin's remark, actually Kevin and some other 3D renderers, remarkable technology to show you what this is going to look like after the development is done. So why don't you toggle back, Kevin, and then go forward again. But this shows you that the house is gone, the trees are gone, that were there, but now we have lined the front with the shrubs, the trees and shrubs and the islands, but mostly the entire perimeter with berm, fence, fence, and then, uh, and then the, the, the lush nature and the shielding nature of the trees that are there, solving this community <coughs> problem we have and recognizing the change at this intersection of the character of this. So this office park that you see here was simple, or whatever, office condominiums, was not there before. Um, and uh, it recognizes the true and proper utilization of this property uh, as it is today, which is, it's not, it's not properly for single family home use, it is for multi, I'm sorry, it is for a, a parking facility. So what else do we have, Kevin? We have a couple other. We have a couple other drone photos for you um, and perspectives if any of this is helpful to you. Again, you're showing the office development and then we have a live uh, drone video that uh, shows that lot. Again, to me, it shows the barren nature of the center part of that once the house comes down there's nothing there and the remaining trees as you've heard from the testimony uh, we have to save the trees you know. but the, the trees are nothing to save what we need is new and properly developed lot yes mr brian mr finney um, we're showing an awful lot here of the uh 11540 snyder road can you point out on there for me where the 8322 a Kemper Road parcel is. What is 8322? Oh, the restaurant is right here. Just oh, go ahead and that, stop okay. that, Kevin. Yeah. This okay. is the restaurant right here. All right, I was a little reading. I'm sorry. Why don't you stop it, Kevin? So the restaurant is. Yeah, the okay. restaurant parcel is here. This is the existing. That's what I thought. And then this is the parcel that's in question behind the houses on Petrillo. All right. So why don't you, can you toggle back to the developed, uh, uh, yeah, so then go back to the prior one then. So this is as exists with the restaurant and parking right now, Mr. Bryant, right here. Yes. And then this is the uh, office condos back here. And then go back to the prior, yeah, so this is the current state of that with the open space and the okay. trees that we're talking about. And then this is a, as it would look after the development with the trees, with the fencing, with the shading, with the berms. Okay, I was, I was just looking at a draft resolution that had both of those parcels in it. I know what you're talking about with the one on Snyder, but I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, sure, no, I understand. Okay. And I do want to clarify one thing. But I just want to make sure we're clear. My understanding is the total side assemblage between the current and the new is 4.6 acres, 4.3 acres. 
point two. Four point two acres. Correct. And but that's the point I wanted to make. I want to make sure you all heard that because I in the testimony it was a little confusing. This particular parcel that we're talking about is one point two acres. It's being added to. Okay, so the aggregate becomes the four. The four. That's correct. I wanted to make sure you could no, somebody you. had kind of I appreciate the clarification. So is that all we have, Kevin? Okay, go ahead. 3.5 is the net total. Of the, the property itself. The property. The total property. Within the right of way, three and a half acres <coughs> total between the existing Silver Spring House and the, the new proposed property. <coughs> okay. You can go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, this again shows those dead trees and this huge open area here that there's, at least for that part of it, not much to say. That's a good enough, Kevin. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I thank you all for your time. We're here as we close our presentation to answer any questions you have. I would like, after Mr. Burke speaks, to have a few minutes of rebuttal if there's some specific points that he has to address. Okay. Okay, thank you all. Thank you. Okay. So, I'm sorry, is that, that concludes the presentation? Yeah, yeah I guess I think you, you said the that. only other point I want to make sure I make is, is there has been uh, encouragement from a lot of angles for us to work with the neighbors and, and modify the plan. By the time I got involved, the reality is the plan had already been very significantly modified, as Mr. Uh, Dahl has stated. We've also had further conversations with the neighbors and like I say, we're willing to change the color of the fence. We've even said we'll raise the fence two more feet if you want, it's not a big deal. Um, somebody wants a little more landscaping, you know, whatever it is. Uh, to compromise on the number of spaces or anything else significant is these people, Joe and Joe, who have uh, weathered the storms throughout the many years with the Silver Spring House, uh, feel that they need the value out of that property with the, the number that they have compromised down to on the spaces. And we already, I don't know if you've emphasized that, but we've already compromised the number of spaces in addition to increasing uh, the tree and bush count that we put on there. So I thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. We do have another people, a significant amount of people who do want to speak for this project. Is that yeah. something that could still happen during the uh, this part of the, of the hearing? Well, we just wanted to hear the applicant's presentation and then if so if that is concluded <laughs> I think it has then we will move into um, listening to speakers for this and then we'll move into speakers against this and then um, finally mr. Burke was going to speak after that do we need to limit to two minutes or something to make sure that everyone who wants to speak can speak or one thing I, I would like to say is I don't we don't necessarily have if if you're getting up to speak and the person that speaks before you says the same thing you want to say you can raise your hand and say me too but we don't need to like repeat everything otherwise we're gonna be here till two or three o'clock in the morning ladies and gentlemen and none of us want that so do I, we I would hope that you would recognize that when you get to the folks who are opposed, mm -hmm. absolutely. there are five neighbors absolutely. who are maximally impacted by this. I totally agree with that. Don't put a two-minute time on that, given that you've already heard 90 minutes from the 
Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally understand that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, speakers for the application. I, and by the way, just come up to the podium, state your name, and if you don't mind, your address. My name is Tom Curdy. I'm a business owner in the, in the township. Um, it's uh, 7870 East Kemper Road. I'm a, uh, as I said, I'm a small business owner in the area. I'm also a regular patron of, of Silver Spring House. And I'm here to uh, say I, I heartily hope that they do um, recommend this, this additional parking. A couple of things come to mind for me is that um, I think the parking situation that you, you speak about is so, because virtually every time I come here, I'm by myself. So there are a lot of cars when I meet clients here and I meet other people here. Um, I come by myself, so I, I understand the need for the additional parking. I'd also say that um, I think the parking is wise. I think that the comments they made about safety are, are, are true. I find that I even have to walk to come around a few times sometimes to park to get, to get a spot. So I'd welcome the extra parking for time and safety. A couple other things I, I'd just like to say, I just think these two guys in the business have been just outstanding corporate citizens when I think about the things that they've done for the community my my clients love coming here one of the things that just enhances my my business because they look forward to coming here to to um, spend some time at Silver Spring House so the other thing I'll say is it kind of hit me that the the, the um, value of this business when COVID came around because to walk around and see that empty parking lot and see those chairs up there just kind of made me sick. And it just, I just realized then just how important this business is to me and our community. I'll also say how many businesses paint their, their um, business pink to honor people who have had uh, breast cancer. They've done that. I've got a number of clients who just think that's just really special. So I'm here to support them. I think the project makes sense and I appreciate the the opportunity thank you thank you thank you so we have safety good for the community and the project makes sense our three things okay next person I'll be short and sweet good evening my name is Chris Wagner I live on cactus lane in Sims Township I've been a repeat customer at the Silver Spring house for over 30 years but moved to Sims in 2013 I frequent the restaurant at least once a week with either business clientele friends or family uh, the one and only downfall of this institution is their current parking structure. At times, additional parking is available at the office complex east on Kemper Road, but the overflow tends to park on the grass on Snyder. I feel a vacant, unkempt house and property is safety concern to the neighborhood, their families, and their children. The health issues eyesore is considerably inferior to a well-maintained and meticulously landscaped parking lot. The current Silver Spring House property is never cluttered and from what I have seen, monitored several times per day. A safely supervised, well-lit park-like atmosphere is a wonderful addition to any neighborhood. Through community activities, corporate fundraisers, business meetings, and family events, you can always count on the Silver Spring House to come through 110%. I feel this project will be no different. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So we have safety, good for the community, sense, and beautification. <clears throat> Trying to keep us on track. Good evening. My name is Dwayne Hickerson. My wife Katie and I live here in Sims Township, down the street in Stonebridge community. We're regular visitors to the Spring House and can attest that they need more parking. For over 15 years, we go every Friday, our group of 10 to 20 people. Many come 
alone from the office, which was noted before, and so it's a lot of cars, uh, which exasperates the parking issue. Uh, the Springhouse is, is investing in the additional restaurant space, as you know, and they're asking assistance from the township in building additional parking space. We've reviewed the parking lot plans, and it looks very reasonable and good neighborly approach to expanding the lot to us. The plan calls for extensive landscaping, as has been noted, with trees and bushes surrounding the new lot, which alleviate the noise and the lighting issues for the community, as well as clean up the area and provide a nice view for the neighborhood versus what is there now. My understanding, as was noted earlier, is they're investing 200% more in landscaping than is required from the township and adding the three-foot berm, which again helps with lighting and noise. I believe the Spring House is successful because they're a neighborhood restaurant that cares about the staff, the neighbors, and their guests. They serve good food and drink at fair prices in a warm, relaxing atmosphere. And I know they keep the restaurant park and the parking lot in excellent and safe condition. 10 to 15 young people get their first job each year at the Spring House, teaching them personal responsibility and showing up on time and learning their roles. The Spring House is family a family-oriented restaurant with people of all ages visiting, including many young children. The staff is trained well, and they make experience great for all. We go to the Spring House because of who they are and what they do, including fundraising for veterans, the Leukemia Society, Breast Cancer Pink Ribbon, Parkinson's Foundation, and local schools, and many other causes. I know they're good corporate citizens and also want to be good neighbors to the surrounding homes. I hope you'll approve this parking lot expansion so they can continue to be a great local landmark. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Good evening. My name is Mario San Marco. I live at 9137 Jerome's Way in Sims Township. I've been involved with uh, some form of real estate <coughs> development for more than 50 years and retired as president of Eagle Realty Group and head of real estate for Western Southern Financial Group. My wife Kathy and I live in Sims Township and have been patronizing Silver Spring House since we moved to the area 35 years ago. We have admired the thoughtful and responsible changes that have been made to the Spring House building since moving here. Every time a change is made to the building, the designs always respected the neighborhood. Parking lots have always been designed in a responsible manner. They have been well maintained and cleaned and landscaping is always designed and maintained in a professional manner. We understand that the proposed parking lot will be buffered from the nearby houses with both fencing and extensive landscaping, certainly more attractive than the un unoccupied home that exists now. Improved parking will not only make access to Springhouse parking lot more convenient for citizens of Sims and its visitors, it will also alleviate any traffic congestion and here thereby make it safer for those entering or driving past the driving park the parking lot. My wife and I strongly support the change of zoning requested by the Springhouse that will enable the responsible use of the subject property. We are thankful for the opportunity to share our thoughts with you, and we thank you for your service to our community. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Hi there. 
I'm uh, Ken Durham, but my middle name is Joe. And uh, I'm thinking maybe I, as much as I feel like Ken's a strong name, Ken, I might just start being called Joe because of these kind of guys that have ran a business for so many years and have done such a good job. Um, I've, I've also done a business, had a business in Sims Township for about 28 years, just retired last summer. Um, I used to be uh, Mario's uh, president of his uh, homeowners association, and so if you all think you've seen me before, it's when I was here to try to clean up something someplace. But Do you also live in Sims Township? I, I live in Sims Township, yes. We, Would we you live. tell us where, please? Yes, I live in 9233 Shallow Creek Drive. And um, I, can't, I can't say enough nice things about the spring house. In fact, the only nice thing I'm really gonna say is my wife is waiting for me, so I'm going to exit and go have dinner with her there. So uh, the things I wanna share with you is one uh, kind of funny thing. Um, um, during, the, during the COVID period that, that was so you know, quarantined and all, um, I, I was so proud of the spring house for stepping forward, making sure that they're to go business uh, was, was working right to help people uh, that didn't have time perhaps or wasn't able to cook. They made sure that those, food, those meals were available there that could be bought for a reasonable price. Uh, I took advantage of that, my family did. Uh, as soon as COVID was over, uh, we were blessed with, a, my wife and I are blessed with a number of very good friends. And um, just as soon as COVID was relaxing, to the point that we could have dinner at, the, at, at some place. We, we chose the spring house. Uh, I called and I got a table for eight or 10 uh, set up. And uh, I got there a little early since I had, uh, was kind of the host. And uh, I, was, uh, I was sitting there and uh, here I saw one of the first couples or the first uh, uh, lady come in of our group. And uh, she walked up and we were cordial of course. And I said, Marianne, it's so good to see you. And uh, I said, where's your, where's your husband? Her husband's Greg. And I said, where's, where's Greg? She said, oh, um, you know, it's so busy here tonight. Uh, Greg dropped me off and he went down to Kroger and parked and he's gonna Uber up. Hmm. Parking is bad there. It's, it's difficult there. So uh, I just hope that you all continue to see the right reasons why uh, their request should be honored and uh, it'll continue to be uh, just one of those things in Sims Township that helps us improve and, um, you know, help families. You know, it's, it's not a bar. It, it's a family restaurant and, and all done, all done. Very good, thank you. That was the best part, I get to meet my neighbor. three minutes. Thank you. Sorry about my, Marianne always gets me in trouble. Trustees, thanks for being here tonight. My name's Fred Houston. That's H-U-S-T-O-N. I actually live at 810 Carrington Place just down the street. I was driving by with my father, and I get everybody to actually stand for my father for two reasons. Jody, you're asking for one word. It's called tradition. This situation is not normal. But it, again, it is. It's tradition. You actually had molar expansion. You had issues there. I actually lived and grew up in Ridgecrest Drive in Blue Ash. Right behind me was the Mallsbury Park. That park was to be a park forever. City of Blue Ash changed it, gave it to Carl Lindner for Thriftway. So it sounds like a sad sentiment to me. Then again, we also have CHCA, supplied by Mr. Lindner again. Great opportunity again. The word is tradition, why? 
You see that name there, it's called Sims Township. That gentleman is the great, 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 great nephew of John Cleve Sims. That's what we call tradition. He frequents at restaurants once a week because I take him there. I'm his son. We believe in tradition. This place is tradition for the area. I understand the other side because I had to deal with looking at an ugly building in my backyard about 45 feet away. So I understand both sides of the world. That's what I experience, and hopefully you two can understand both sides. But it is tradition, and let's, let's go ahead and approve it, get it taken care of, and move forward what's important for this township. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, my name's Debbie Present, and I live at 10719 Weatherstone Court, and I just have a few comments to share from my husband and I. The history of the Silver Spring House is truly remarkable and reflects a commitment to customer service, community involvement, and charitable giving. The request for additional parking is a direct result of a very successful enterprise that has continue, continued to experience wonderful growth. While the <clears throat> excellent quality of the food service has been critical to the success of this operation, it is the unique uniqueness of the management's custom, customer and community involvement that makes this restaurant so distinctive. Every year, the Silver Spring House <clears throat> devotes time and expense to assist with special events such as breast cancer awareness, the Veterans Day recognition, an impressive monument has been erected to honor relatives of soldiers that have served in all branches of our armed forces. Every Christmas, money has been raised to provide gifts to needy families, particular chil particularly children, for a single non-chain restaurant. These efforts certainly reflect an entity that is concer concerned and focused on addressing critical <coughs> needs in our community. The requested zoning change will also favorably address some important infrastructure issues associated with the increasing customer growth. The current traffic at lunch and dinner on both Kemper and Snyder Road is problematic. With a substantial increase in parking, the issues should be dramatically improved, both from a traffic and, and safety standpoint. As has always been the case with the existing parking locations, management <coughs> would positively address the aesthetics to ensure that the appearance and maintenance of this addition would be first class. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I'm going to be so quick, you won't even know I was here, but I hope you hear me. We love you. <laughs> the uh, years and years ago when I was a, a working man. And I'm sorry, state your name, Mr. Richter. Richter. Yeah. At 10444, uh, Stable Hand Drive. Sims Township when we've been here for 37 years when steeplechase was uh, put in our, our lovely community and that's really what I want to talk about it's what, what a great community we have and the balance that we have between education businesses churches and and this is truly a restaurant that makes you very proud uh, I, today I got a phone call from a friend in South Carolina who worked with me is kind of death in the family and uh, he's organizing a trip and I said well let's have dinner he said I want to go to Cheers <laughs> Cheers you know where everybody knows your name mm -hmm. and that's what it's about and I think 
you know, with the presentations, this has been a conciliatory process that uh, speaks very highly for what we are as residents. It makes me very proud to support the Silver Spring House and Sims Township. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, my name is Steve Contardi. I'm the operating partner at the Racket Club at Harpers Point. Um, we've been there since 1975, so if you want to talk about tradition, uh, uh, we uh, pitch in a little bit there too. But uh, uh, through all of our members and so many people from out of town, the Silver Spring House is very simply an institution. It's a landmark. Okay, Joe and Joe have been tremendous citizens. They've added such a great deal to the, uh, to the township. They certainly are a big factor in making Sims Township a great place to live. I think they really in deserve your support. Thank you. My name's uh, Derek Wayman. I live at 12104 Palmettas Drive. I've lived there for uh, 38 years. I also uh, am in the real estate management business. I've worked for Town Properties for 49 years. We oversee uh, many restaurants in our buildings, like Nick Sanders here in Sims Township, also Jeff Ruby's downtown. And I can tell you, in working with people like that, that Joe and Joe run as good or better restaurant than any of those people. And uh, that should speak volumes for the kind of operation they run. Also, I concur with what everybody else said, but some people were disputing the uh, traffic on Schneider Road and people only parking there occasionally. I can say for living there for 38 years, they park along there all the time. So it is a, a problem and uh, needs to be addressed. And I have nothing else to say, but thank you for listening to me. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. I'm Larry Hart. How are you? Good to see you all. Good Thank you. you. So, um, Great Larry, you yeah, well, just about to. Oh, so, I live at 11365 Avant Lane in the Heartland neighborhood. We are just on the other side of Snyder, and we can walk here. So, my background I spent 10 years on a city planning commission. For the last six years, I've been on our HOA board. So, I've been in many meetings, not several meetings, let's say, with members of CHCA with the Silver Spring House talking about neighborly things and what goes on at this intersection. And, and my point this evening is really that they are a good neighbor. And I say that because, well, really the first thing is, I spent 10 years on a city planning commission. And the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, are, are we asking for any variances here? Are we asking for any exceptions to the building code? And we've already been through all that, we're not. If we were, that would be a different story and we would have much, much more to talk about. But they're building within the code, and in fact, everything I've heard this evening says they are going above and beyond whatever those expectations are. Having said that, though, it's one thing to draw a pretty picture, it's quite another to enforce that, and it does fall upon the township administration to make sure that we are building what we say we're gonna build, right? The applicant is building what they say they're gonna build, and let's make sure they do that, please. Berm, berm height, landscaping, we've heard all of this this evening. And I think together we need to all of us make sure that that's, that happens. With that in mind, I mentioned the neighborly thing. And I think that what we want to point out here is, you know, if the owners of the Silver Spring House were hard to get a hold of, 
if they were difficult to find, if they were hiding in some way, I think it would be a very different thing. And what you're hearing tonight is it's a very neighborhoody kind of a place. It's an asset to the community. And you'll hear from others in our neighborhood, and, and a couple disagree, and that's okay. I think the whole point of being a good neighbor is despite our disagreements, we can come together and talk about things that maybe we don't agree on and find ways to work through them. So with that, thank you for your time. Anybody out in the foyer that wanted to speak didn't get a chance? I'm a city walker as well. And I know we had others who don't want to. You can go ahead and come on. That way you pick it up. I'm Rebecca Simpson. I'm with Fiddy Law Firm with Chris Finney as well. I know there are others who want to speak, but don't they want to respect the time and don't want to repeat. So I'm asking, can we just ask people, and, and there are people outside too, and I know we're not going to get them, but can we ask people in the room, are there those, you know, who support the parking expansion and who lives in Sim Township, ta Sims Township? So we can see that without them coming up to speak. Sure. sure. Let's see it off. All right. <laughs> who supports it? <laughs> who lives in Sims Township? <clears throat> All right, and we have, Joey you know, said we have more outside? What's that? Oh, yeah, we have some outside. Yeah, my wife is outside. Okay. All right, thank you. I appreciate okay, thank that. You. Thank you. Does that, that conclude speakers for the application? And we thank you for your brevity. Yes, yes. So now we will move to speakers against the application. And we will not limit time. Is it possible? willing to give up your seat to hear opposition. Thank you. Did the word get passed out, uh, folks outside or in the foyer? Yeah, folks in opposition. Okay, so we're at uh, opposition speakers now. Uh, please come up to the podium, state your name and your address. Take a break. <laughs> I understand that. You wanted to go last? Yes. I'm Okay, let's okay. see. Okay, guys. All right. Shh. Thank you. Okay. Ready? Yes, sir. I'm Richard Goldberg. I live at 8354 Jeanette Lane. We've lived there for about 32 years. Um, and just a little bit of I'll, I'll keep this brief. And there's two points I'm going to want to make. There's two major problems I have with the rezoning, and that's why I oppose it. Uh, number one is the aesthetics in general, and number two is the devaluation of property values in that neighborhood. So, just a little bit of history. 
<coughs> my law firm was involved way back when Harper Station was developed. And as a result of the litigation, we were able to form a barrier between Harper Station and, and our neighborhood in Heartland. You've got the field and the trees, and it's been a very good barrier. Over the years, I've been, I've been somewhat involved in what was going on in trying to preserve the residential character. For example, when Kroger's converted to a superstore, they wanted to come over to Harper Station. We said no, they couldn't by virtue of the litigation in Harper Station, and they developed over in Harper's Point, away from the residential, our residential side. Uh, I was a party to the litigation in the Lucky Office condos. Um, they were developed, um, and an example, we were able to keep at least a 24-hour urgent care from going into one of the office condos. I'm doing all I can to keep this as residential character as possible. Um, there are other things that are too numerous to mention, but I'm not here, I'm not here always opposing Silver Spring House, don't get me wrong. They could be the greatest restaurant in Cincinnati, and I appreciate all these people that have come in support of them, but that's not the issue. Um, the issue is the right of the restaurant um, to develop their own property against, balanced against the right of the neighboring community for the well-being of the neighbors. And I think the well-being of the neighborhood far outweighs their interest in rezoning. You know, there's a land use plan in effect that says that property is residential. The restaurant knew when they purchased the house and the property that this is residentially zoned property. They didn't have to buy it. They could have purchased it with an option, for example, whether or not they can rezone the property, but they didn't. They jumped in and bought the property, assuming they can get it rezoned. So getting to the issue, as I said, there's a land, the land use plan favors residential and, and to maintain the residential character. Um, <clears throat> the aesthetics, we're talking about a very, very large parking lot. I've heard, I, I thought it was less than an acre. But I think the parking alone sounds like it's going to be an acre, 1.2 acres. That's huge. It's probably as big or almost as big as the parking lot they have in front of the restaurant. That's a huge area of, of pavement that's going to be carved out of residential, the residential area backing up to Petrella. I don't think it's going to be attractive looking. There's no way you can make it attractive looking. You've got trees that are going to take 10 or 20 years to mature. Those renderings are 10, 20 years away. What's going to happen in the next 10 years to these people's property values? Petrilla is a very nice street. It's a beautiful street. And I think if property values are diminished on Petrilla, it's going to affect neighboring neighborhoods, it's neighboring subdivisions. My subdivision, I think it's going to have a detrimental effect on the value of our property. And if our property values go down, uh, it's going to affect the, the income, the Sims Township tax base even. Now, properties in the last few years obviously have risen, okay? But it has nothing to do with the development. It's the economy and the real estate market. That's not going to be never-ending. So these people on Petrilla, they're going to have very adverse effects to their property values. And, and, and it's going to, as they said, affect everybody else. Um, the, the number of spaces are about 160 in front of the restaurant. And that's by code deemed to be sufficient. If they're a family restaurant, which they are, a lot of the people that frequent it come in SUVs with families. They're not one or two vehicle occupants. They're mostly SUVs parking a lot. I see it all the time. And families do, you know, partake there. Two, three, four, five parents and their children. So there's enough parking there, apparently. 
And number two, they have apparently unlimited spots at the office condos. I don't know how that happened. I was a part of that litigation. I don't know how they got all that parking, but, but they go all the way down the row on Kemper Road with parking. They do it, uh, and that's, that's excess parking. Also, their employees park at the South Cincinnati Hills parking lot down on Snyder Road. I would say at least 30 or more cars every evening are parked there. They're all employees. So they've got 160, they've got 30 or 40, that's 200, and another 50, they've got 250 spots. When code says 160 is more than the minimum. So I don't understand the need for, first it was 125, then 117, and now it's 105 or something. You know, I don't, I don't understand the need for that many spots especially when it's impinging on a residential neighborhood. So my, my, my involvement is trying to preserve the residential character. Uh, and uh, I think that is why regional planning staff said no. That is why the zoning commission unanimously said no. Um, and I think they should be rejected. Now, I don't object to everything Silver Spring House does. When they did the outdoor seating on the south part of their restaurant on Kemper Road. I had no problem with that. I came to the administrative hearings. I had no problem with that whatsoever. Didn't object a bit. I think it's nice. The problem I had, of course, when we were playing music, and once when we appeared before you before, you said no music, and I hope that stands, because the music did keep me up at night. I go to bed early, and they were playing outdoor music, uh, I think in the tent. I have a problem with that, and I hope that doesn't return. So. That said, um, unless you have any other questions, I'll sit down. I'd like to thank Lieutenant Tabor, Tar, I'm sorry, Tar for uh, agreeing to watch the traffic on Kemper Road, the speeders and the drag racers and the loud cars that are coming by. It's been pretty frequent every summer, especially, and I appreciate uh, the Lieutenant's interest in, in taking a look at that. Thank you very much. Thank you. speakers yes. <coughs> yes, my name is Kim Shielnick. I live at 8309 Petrillo Lane, which is directly behind the property in question. What number 8309? 09. Yeah. You're the corner. Corner. Okay. So are you on a butter? Yeah, he's on the corner. Yeah. Okay. Right there. So I've been a real estate broker for 20 years, I don't remax, and I'm currently selling in a, a real estate broker. But that doesn't matter. I think somehow it became a fight here that the people at Petrillo Lane don't like this Silver Spring House. We do. We have no problem with it. I admire his business plan. I think it's great. The, the, the thought that I would have for you is that there's no empirical data that I can show or anyone that can show about property values, but common, the immediate property values. But common sense would tell you that if you've got a parking lot butted up to the back of your property, it's certainly not going to increase your value. And so, with all due respects to Mr. Motes, he knows as well as I do that the reason why properties values went up all over the United States is a simple supply and demand issue, right? The only, the only reason why property values are staying current right now is because of that demand, even though rates have went up. So the, the, the point I'm trying to make to you is if this was your property, 
one of the biggest assets that you'll ever have in your life, how would you feel to get that eroded? Now, I don't, I, I admire his business. I want him to succeed, but it's a, his business is ran so well, which it is. There's another location too that could help out for him. So I just want you to think about how that affects us and all the people here that are supporting of him, and I support him too, just not on this issue. How would, it, how would they feel if it was their property? Thank you. My name's Evan Vomaka. I live at 8327 Patrillo Lane. Uh, it does abut to the property. I've had family on Patrillo Lane for over 30 years. At one point, I had two sets of aunts and uncles, plus my parents and my grandmother, all in separate houses. So we've been there, and we've grown alongside the Silver Spring House. Um, we've always tried to be good neighbors, even though 7 a.m. you'll have uh, leaf blowers clear in the parking lot many times at midnight or 1 a.m. you'll have the dumpster truck show up make ridiculous amount of noise but still we've never complained we've tried to be good neighbors and that's kind of all that we're asking um, you know the land back there has been described as unattractive the trees ugly it's like if you're walking through the woods and you say oh all these trees are ugly it's beautiful I look at it every single day you know, even in the wintertime when it's barren, it's nice. There's lots of birds, animals. It's just peaceful. You know, our families really enjoyed it through the years. And it's kind of sad that the high school let that house just sort of rot. You know, they bought it without the intention of keeping it residential, even though that's how it's zoned. And, you know, now they're using that as sort of a reasoning for why the house needs to come down because it's no longer occupable, but occupiable. But they let it do that on purpose. And I think that's part of the symbiotic relationship that kind of leaves us all with a bad taste in our mouth that it hasn't been totally transparent. We've sort of been you know, talked down to. They described us as the usual opposition, but I'd say we're not that at all. We're a group of neighbors that are unified. We've come together. We like this sort of government style, this sort of grassroots that, you know, this is the sort of place where we can present a case as a united front and be heard. And so, like I said, we've been good neighbors all this time, and that's all that we ask. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, my name is Kim Cox. I am the infamous owner of the volleyball court. <laughs> <laughs> So I live at 8317 Petrilla Lane, and you'll have to forgive me, I wrote my notes on Sunday evening, and a lot has changed since then. So I'm doing the best I can to keep up, probably like you are too. Um, so we purchased our home in July of 2021. Before deciding to purchase, I was aware that CHCA High School owned the property behind our backyard. I called the school, had several conversations about their intentions, and was told every time I called that there were no plans to put a parking lot on the property behind our yard and no plans to sell the property. I specifically asked about a parking lot and I was told that was never the plan. 
Since then, I have spoken to the previous owner who sold the property to CHCA. Her name is Kate. Or, sorry, I haven't spoken to her. I've spoken to the neighbors who've spoken to her. And she's made it clear that when she sold the park, she sold her house and her land to CHCA, they made it very clear that their intention was always to put a parking lot on that property. So I just want to bring to your attention that when people are talking about the house being an eyesore, it wasn't an eyesore. It, it's been left to become an eyesore because the intention has always been to put a parking lot on it. So I just think that's an important fact to consider. Um, because of the information that I got from CHCA High School when we bought, I've learned not to take anyone at their word when it comes to this situation and this property. Um, it is well known um, by my neighbors that Kate, who sold the property to CHCA, she sold the property and she moved because of all the problems that come from neighboring a busy restaurant that's open seven days a week until late into the evening. Um, my concern is that by rezoning this property and turning it into a parking lot, all of Kate's problems are going to essentially become our problems now. You're just transferring it from one owner to the other. Um, I only felt comfortable moving forward with the purchase of our home because the property behind it, I knew that it was zoned for residential use. I did my research. I work for a township as well, so I did my research. I used my resources. Um, and I think it's reasonable to expect that the residential zoning would be upheld. We aren't asking for any changes. The current zoning in place already protects residents like us and like myself and my neighbors, and all we're asking is that the current zoning be upheld. I think that that's a reasonable expectation. Initially, I called Joe um, because we are the owners of the volleyball area, and one of my concerns is that my family uses that little volleyball area all the time. And so I, when I found out that they had purchased the land, I called Joe. Um, and he was actually really willing to work with us to continue to allow us to use the little, you know, area that encroaches on the property that they now own. And so I thought, well, good, Joe's willing to work with, with me and with us, then I'm willing to try to work with my neighbors here to come up with a compromise. So I initially began working between Silver Spring House and my neighbors trying to find a compromise in the situation. And my neighbors and I met at my house. We worked together. Uh, we came up with a rebuttal plan that would provide for roughly a 30-foot buffer between our property lines and the planned parking lot. That compromise consisted of roughly 55 or so spots, um, additional parking spots for the Silver Spring House, and it maintained about a 30-foot buffer for me and my neighbors. I was really shocked when we didn't receive any response at all from the Silver Spring House to the compromise because we kind of went from our neighbors being no, no, no to, okay, we can find a compromise here. Um, and then I realized that the Silver Spring House started a public petition and a social media campaign. And I became the target of someone accusing me of being, of not living where I live, um, and I was a fraud, um, which really upset me because I'm actually a finance director. My reputation's really important to my career. Um, and we had a steady stream of people driving past our house um, saying awful things to us, pretending to need to turn around in our driveway and look in our backyard and making sure that the comments that they said were loud enough that we could hear. Um, we would wave to people and smile because at first we didn't understand what was going on and it quickly became apparent that, I mean, we're on the defense here. They don't like us. They're angry with us. So we kind of became a target. So that 
was really upsetting to me. I'm also a mother and I have a teenager at home and I work and my husband works. My teenager has to be home by herself um, because of our work schedules and it made me extremely uncomfortable to have these angry people focusing their attention on my home while we had to be away and be at work. So that was really disappointing and frustrating when I thought that we were trying to work together here to come to a compromise. Um, so also to the lack of response that we got um, in the situation, it caused me to look into the situation a little bit further. So I was confused about why would our rebuttal would have provided for about 55 additional parking places and being that I live right by the Silver Spring House, I know that there's not 55 cars driving around looking for a spot. There's typically anywhere from like five to 10 um, or even less than that, you know, no more than 10 driving around looking for a spot. So I thought I didn't understand why our rebuttal wasn't even responded to. Um, and so um, I started to think about the situation and I realized that they're not budging from that it was 120 additional spots. I realize as of today, it's now 105. Um, but it just, it makes me think that they're not trying to address their current parking problem, but they're trying to address a parking problem of some sizable increase in business. Like I said, based upon my experience, I've learned not to take anybody at word value here, unfortunately. So I'm just trying to look into the situation and try to understand why would the rebuttal of 55 spots that my neighbors and I came to that compromise, why would that not be good enough in this situation? Um, and so, and like I said, I'm not sure if there's like another expansion in plan or if they're just trying to use the current space differently. I don't really know, but I feel like it's pretty clear that 55 spots should suffice. And so why 105 are necessary, I'm just left wondering, you know, what is the true end result and what are they hoping to achieve? Um, I feel like we should at least get an honest and complete answer when we try to understand why such a massive parking lot increase is being requested. I think that that's reasonable considering the negative impact to our homes and our properties. Um, my concerns specifically include the noise from an abutting parking lot that currently operates until 11 p.m. and has employees leaving much later than 11 p.m. sometimes. I'm assuming that if this is approved, we don't have any control over the Silver Spring House extending their operating hours later into the night. With the current distance of the parking lot from our home, we can hear car alarms, we can hear car doors slamming, and sometimes we can hear loud groups of people coming and going from the restaurant. There's currently a five foot cement wall and a six foot privacy fence that sits on top of that. I can't imagine that cement removing the cement wall and lowering the current privacy fence and how that will affect the noise that travels to our backyard and to our home. Uh, we do it not very often, but once in a while when the Silver Spring House has had a band, it is, the, the music is so loud that it rattles all of the windows in the back of our house and has kept us awake until the band stops playing. Um, and we can hear the roar of a crowd on a big game night, but we don't complain about any of that because we chose to purchase our home with full knowledge of how close the restaurant was to our home and where the parking lot was located. But we did not choose to purchase our home with the cement <coughs> wall and the six foot privacy fence that sits on top removed and with the parking lot even closer to our home. As far as I understand, the current plans that Silver Spring House is presenting include a six foot privacy fence. 
Obviously, people who are taller than six feet, six feet will be able to see into our backyard and into our sunroom. Obviously, I, after sitting here tonight, it sounds like maybe that information has changed and maybe that has now gone up to nine feet. Like I said, I wrote this on Sunday and I'm trying to keep up with all the changes. Um, beyond noise and view concerns, we also have concerns about the lighting that will spill over into our property, not only from the lamps that are being discussed, but also the headlights shining from the cars into our backyard and directly into our home. Um, our backyard and the property now owned by Silver Spring House does flood and it floods pretty bad. Um, so I have a hard time understanding how changing that surface to an impervious surface will do any good for the flooding that currently exists. And I know some of my neighbors have multiple sup pumps as it is because it floods so badly back there. Um, the house that currently stands on the property currently serves as a sound and a view bar excuse me, a view barrier from all of the traffic on Snyder Road. With that house standing, all the noise from Snyder Road, without that house standing, all the noise from Snyder Road will increase greatly for us, and all the traffic driving by on Snyder Road will have a direct view into our backyard, and more importantly, into the sunroom in the back of our house. Um, and I'm a mother of a teenager, like I said, and certainly you can understand why that presents some safety concerns. Um, as far as I understand, the zoning change that is currently being requested is to change the zoning from residential to EE. The purpose of the EE code is to be subservient to the surrounding residential community, as well as affording an attractive setting in harmony with the surrounding residential community. In this situation, we aren't discussing a parking lot for a business that closes at 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. If that were the case, I feel like we'd be having a very different conversation. But we're in fact talking about a parking lot for a business that's open seven days a week until 11 p.m. and has employees leaving much later than 11 p.m. along with groups of people that are sometimes intoxicated and they're loud when they leave at night. The Silver Spring House not only operates a restaurant but also a bar and as far as I know there's nothing stopping the Silver Spring House from extending their operating hours later into the night. And I guess I'm asking what happens when the expanded parking lot moves so close to our home and to our properties that the noise keeps us up until the restaurant closes every night? What recourse do we have at that point? Again, we aren't asking the board to change anything for us. The current zoning that exists already protects residents like us in situations like this. We're simply asking you to do nothing other than uphold the zoning that already exists to protect residents like us. I'm trying to justify why we should be asked to sacrifice our peace and quiet especially at bedtime. The chances of flooding our properties, chances of light negatively impacting our homes, taking chances with our safety if a runaway car were, decide, were, decide, were to decide to come through the fence, which I know is unlikely, but it does happen, um, and a decrease in our property values. And it's all in the name of uh, you know, the Silver Spring House being able to increase their business and increase their profits. It doesn't seem to match the EE zoning that's being requested. Given that the EE zoning is meant to be subservient and to protect the adjacent residential community, the proposed parking plan greatly exceeds the recommended number of parking places for a restaurant their size. So it seems like me and my neighbors are being asked to make a lot of sacrifices, some of which we may not be able to live with, especially not being able to sleep at bedtime and safety concerns, all for the restaurants to have an abundance for the restaurant to have an abundance of parking above and beyond what's recommended and even necessary. I'm assuming that, the, that these changes will increase Silver Spring House's business and profits, and I feel like it's coming at the expense of me and my neighbors. The situation has already negatively impacted our family. 
Um, my daughter's graduation party is coming up in a couple of months. And because of all of the um, unknowns in this situation with the demolition of the house, all the trees coming down, and all of the, the changes that can be happening in the very near future, we, we, our original plan was to have the graduation party in our home in our backyard, and we've already had to rent an off-site venue to host our graduation party just because the situation is so unknown at this point. Um, I heard, the, I heard the gentleman speak about the trees. I would say that the mature trees that currently stand on the property serve as a buffer from our homes and from the businesses located on Kemper. Taking those trees down, removing the house on Snyder, and moving forward the, with this massive parking lot removes a significant buffer for us and completely changes the residential qualities and the residential feel of our neighborhood. We are essentially being asked to add enough parking for a small shopping center. I'm just not sure that the restaurant needs that much parking. I took the time to review past meeting minutes and any time the Silver Spring House was asked if they had adequate parking for the expansion that they are finishing right now, the answer was always yes in those minutes. So I'm not sure what has changed. Um, I'm also assuming that the five foot cement wall that currently exists between the residential property and the parking lot was put there for good purpose possibly as a sound barrier, a view barrier, um, and a safety barrier to protect uh, the, the residential properties if a runaway car were to try to come through a fence and drive into the backyard or worse into a house. You know, I know it's unlikely, but there's, you know, it's happened before. If the, cem if the cement wall was necessary at some point, I think that the cement wall is even more necessary as the size of the parking lot grows. Thank you. Sorry that took so long. I had a lot to get out, but thank you. Thank you. Kim, can I ask a couple quick questions? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks. Very, very thoughtful comments. Um, you mentioned a couple things I wanted to check on. So back when you were working on the neighbor compromise, you said a 30-foot buffer. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, we the compromise that we sent back, um, so from our back property line to where I guess the fence would be and maybe you can help me here we asked for a 30-foot buffer to help with um, to help with the sound um, and I also too I don't know if you have any interest but if you want to actually hear the sound from my backyard I do have a video that I could play for you really quickly if you are interested in actually hearing what that sound how you know how loud the sound is in our backyard yeah sure. that would okay be great sure and can you define the occasion by which this is recorded this is just I happen to be walking in carrying groceries and for some reason we'll put it in the microphone yeah. a, um, for some reason a car alarm in the parking lot just kept going off and I'm not saying that that's a normal thing but it is normal to hear car alarms and to hear car doors slamming and things like that but this just kept happening kind of over and over and so I just happened to grab my phone and hit record but this is standing at my back door and it it happened I caught it on video twice but it happened about four times in a row but just, just, well, um, I really don't, it was sometime in the afternoon. I really don't even remember what time it was. It was sometime in the afternoon. What? You remember? 
it was 12 o'clock or so yeah yeah it just and like I said I didn't plan to take that it just happened that I happened to be carrying groceries in and the car alarm kept going off and I thought that might be a good example to people to show people that the amount of noise is a valid concern you know sure. we're not blowing it out of proportion so anyway that's the other question I have on drainage mm -hmm. so forgive me because I don't I'm not that knowledgeable on the lay of the land but sure. the trilla is mm -hmm. versus your house mm -hmm. versus your back property It's pretty much so flat. flat. It's pretty much flat, yes. And you said the back. So our backyard and the property that Silver Spring House now owns, it floods. Um, and I think that one of my other neighbors was going to speak. Where's Carla? Over here. She was going to speak some about what she did in her yard to deal with the flooding. But it is, it's flat. So it, you said that you wanted a 30 feet buffer Chris what is the buffer now I believe it's 25 feet along yeah you went from 17 to 25 didn't you so you're at 25 it was going to be like 60 feet if we eliminated that the parallel parking in that one first row yeah sorry like I said the drawings have changed so many times but I know that we did come up with a compromise we did ask for a larger buffer um, and I think Tim, won't you have better information on that? Tim will have better information than I do. Okay. Okay. All right. So if you if you want to take out that row, how many parking spots does that eliminate? That row, the parallel ones. Yeah. I think I counted. It was eleven or twelve. Twelve. Eleven or twelve. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what we the rebuttal that we submitted that we didn't get a response from was to take this row out and I think maybe this row again Tim can probably tell you more exact than I can there was a lot of information that day okay thank you thank, thank you, you. Hi. Uh, Tom Miller uh, 11523 Kemper Woods Drive so this wouldn't uh, directly affect you but the one thing I just wanted to bring up about this was the uh, video that was shown to you two times on Petrilla and I just felt that my information is anecdotal uh, but we Petrilla is one of the places where we walk our dog uh, every day up through the different courts and all the way up to the corner and um, I have to say that that one particular video that you saw with that many cars was sort of cherry-picked because the only time that I've ever seen cars and we've been living there for 19 years now has been when there's like a homecoming you know certainly there is overflow during those times but we walk we both work at home so we walk during the day we walk during the evening and most of the cars that we see sitting on patrol belong to the people who live there it's very rare to see what was shown in that video it, either there was a special event going on at CHCA at that time like homecoming or a specific meet or something but it is not a common occurrence and even during that video when they stopped taking it when they got to Snyder I personally would like to have seen if they had turned left to see indeed if there was a full parking lot at Silver Spring House at that time because I would almost guarantee you that most of that overflow parking was from CHCA because with us walking that every day 
if indeed it were a common occurrence for overflow parking needed for the dinner hour, we would see that on a regular basis, and we do not. Okay. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Other speakers against? Hello, my name is David Vamaka. I live at uh, 8327 Petrilla Lane for 22 years and have not been overly impacted by the existence of the Silver Spring House and all of its comings and goings through the years. Sure, there is unwanted noise, like emptying the trash containers at two in the morning, the bands at sports events. Of course, summer, summer's coming, it's gonna be the windows are going to be opened up. You know, we hear all that. Um, but I have come to expect these grievances as bearable because of the natural barrier of trees and bushes that separate my backyard from the fray of the Silver Spring House. The main reasons I have been able to make peace with it all, number one, the solid concrete wall providing a strong barrier to an oncoming car. It eliminates any car lights and, of course, with a six-foot fence on top, helps with the noise created by a busy restaurants and its patrons. Number two, what are they offering? An eight foot high, I guess, I don't know <laughs> anymore. Eight foot high vinyl fence at grade behind the curb with a three foot high berm behind and new plantings that will take years to reach mature height, of course, we all know that. Now that should stop a running a car, don't you think? Of course, I mentioned this because the Silver Spring House has a state liquor license and their patrons are served alcohol along with their food. And with 120 or so new parking spaces, I guess it's changed, seem that, seems that like that would create some negative congestion at the entrance of Snyder, on Snyder Road, being that CHCA's entrance is on the opposite side of the road. Was there a traffic study done? We all know it wasn't. Number three, I go on to mention the environmental impact of the zoning proposal. A green space provides many benefits to a surrounding area, and this plot of land is like a slice of Winton Woods right in your backyard. It is one of the best, if not the best, feature of my property. Anyone looking to purchase my house would go into the backyard and say, oh yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Piltrill Lane is one of the original streets of the neighborhood, and as such has a lot of mature trees. The surrounding subdivisions reflect this theme. A great place to walk up and down, take the dog for a walk, enjoy the serenity of nature as so many do on our street. A green space provides cooler temperatures on hotter days, hot summer days, than we had our share last year. <clears throat> when I go to the back part of my yard in the shade from the trees, it feels 10 degrees cooler on a hot summer day. Again, sound buffering to offset the sounds of commerce provides a pleasing and natural visual barrier to urban sprawl, buffers, unwanted headlights and streetlights, allows for mental relaxation and a connection with nature, which we all should enjoy. In conclusion, right now, as it stands, there is one and only one property that is directly impacted by the Silver Spring House lights and noise in our neighborhood. If you allow that property to be leveled with all its green space, there will be five to six properties that will take on that burden to a much greater extent. Quality of life, gone. Loss of property value reimbursed? I don't think so. Would it just plain make me sad? You better believe it. It seems we have become slaves to the automobile in our society and community. 
When Montgomery Road was widened and you had the intersection of Kemper and Montgomery, I was like, that looks very dangerous to pedestrians trying to cross such a wide and busy street. It's like the Great Divide. Now at Kemper and Snyder, we have three corner lots that include a lot of parking spaces, <clears throat> all nice hard surfaces that will cook in the summertime and produce unwanted heat. This is what we want a great Sims Township to be known for, just urban sprawl and parking lots. Sure, commerce is great and very important to a community such as Sims, and Silver Spring House has done a bang-up job creating a bustling restaurant and contributing to community causes, but it must coexist with the natural beauty of the residential areas. As I turn left off of Kemper onto Snyder today, I got a full view of all the trees in the lot in question, and my heart sank. Are they really wanting to cut up that down and build another parking lot? My God. I leave you with the word to Joni Mitzel. You don't know what you got until it's gone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, Mark Steinhardt, 8387 Chesney Lane. Um, I just want to keep this really brief. I think this is really about the balance of the profits and the happiness of the clients, and there are a lot of happy clients that go to Silver Spring House. Against the um, quality of life, property values, et cetera, of the residents of Sim Township. We're across the street. I know Rich Goldberg uh, made a comment earlier. I think property values do have a, ch uh, a tendency to cascade. Um, perspective I would like when I looked at this map and I shared it at the, at the previous meeting this is a 50% increase in the footprint that's huge so I'll say thank you anyone else <coughs> Carla Shieldnick oops, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Carla Shieldneck, 8309 Petrilla. If anybody would know about the overflow parking, it would be us, because we're right on the corner. Yeah. And really, there's hardly any. And, and that, that situation was a 12-school track meet at the <coughs> high school. So that's why that video had so many cars. And it happens. We got homecoming, we've got graduation, and maybe a couple other things. But for the most part, that wasn't Silver Spring House parking because I saw all the kids and parents walking back and forth. Um, and the, the cars that were parked on uh, Snyder, they had just closed Snyder Road for construction. So they were just parked willy-nilly out there. I mean, that happens though. And then um, my, uh, my other concern is when we moved in, um, <coughs> we tore out all the honeysuckle and Kate was totally exposed that's the lady that sold the house. And um, so I tried to plant all kinds of stuff, you know, on her property and mine, because her driveway's right there. I put a whole big dry creek in, because we would get lakes in our yard <coughs> that would last for a couple, three days. And, um, and I kind of made this creek go over both of our lots. And it actually goes down my side and into a drainage thing. Um, so if you got, and I have on, on this a Silver Spring House property, there are probably three or four trees that are nice. They're about this big, no reason to cut them down at all. So I would be really 
upset if they came and took all the landscaping that I did. I mean, if they would want to work with me, that's great. And I love the Silver Spring House. So, um, and I'd probably save them a little money because they don't have to plant as many trees back there. <laughs> so that's it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Tim Jester, 8363 Hamiltonian Drive, one street behind Petrilla towards the north. Um, I'm against this just because I've been against a couple of things for the same reason. And I know it's a reason you say you can't vote no on. Uh, you got the Five Seasons property, uh, and that was going to be however many parking spaces, 80, 100. That's about a quarter mile from that corner of Kemper and Snyder. You've got Silver Spring House with 120. Coming up on the slate, 500-seat stadium, CHCA, where the tennis court's going to be. They're going to be petitioning for that. And then down the street, another quarter mile to the south, CHCA with a 1,000-seat stadium. So cars, 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 cars. So you're bringing all these cars in in probably a year and a half time frame. And once again, what are the kind of drivers you have at that corner? Student drivers, they're not very good. Buses, big, huge buses. You got all this traffic right in the same place. And you know, I, I said this before, you go, well, we can't really uh, use a traffic study or the, the number of cars to vote yes or no. But uh, you, know, you don't have to use that, but you, know, you don't have to rechange the zoning, but you're adding all these cars right there to that corner. All of a sudden, all at once, four projects. So just think about that. Please. Thank you. Thank you. You look like you need to talk to some more people, right? <laughs> All right. Um, Barbara Lantry Miller, 11523 Kemper Woods Drive. Um, so my property will not be impacted necessarily, um, but as my husband said, we do spend a lot of time on Petrilla. One thing I am very surprised about, uh, and I think you brought it up as well, there was no noise study done. Why was there no noise study done? They're expanding a significant amount. They're taking down trees. They're going to put up trees. However, Unless you've got a baseline, how do you know what your impact is going to be? I think that is a very big mistake, and I think that's a very big miss, and it always makes me suspicious. Why was that a miss? Second point, and I'll leave you with this. Um, th those 51 cars, even if there were 51 cars on Snyder Road and Petrilla, those cars are there probably between 6 and 9 p.m. because that's when the sports games are going on. That's when the football and the soccer and the tennis. Do you really think Silver Spring House is going to give up 51 spaces for CHCA's parents to park in there during their busiest time, dinner time? I don't think so. I doubt it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Any other speakers against? Hi, 
I'm Cheryl Sprague. I live at 8316 Petrillo Lane. I've been in that house and on that property since 1985. Um, I'm in big support of Silver Spring House. I've always loved the place. I've always recommended people to it, but I've seen a lot of over the years being there, I remember even one helicopter landing on a landing pad flying over my house and I'm thinking, what in the world? <laughs> and they were bringing in people and it was pretty exciting. And one of the things that, one of the, couple of the ideas that I just wanted to kind of throw out is if they do the change, I think that the, the drainage is a big issue and I think that that should be under maybe part of that land that they're proposing for the parking lot should be studied to work with the drainage through that next the butts up to the, the properties because I think that standing water if you have damage in your basement or in your the backyard you're talking about lots of money this the property owner is going to have to put out I had a friend that just went through a flood in Florida two two people in Florida lots of lots of damage that was done it was very costly um, so that I think that that's one of the things that needs to be proposed there even if it means taking out a few of the parking places to get get some really good um, damage control or drainage control done to that area maybe even you know because we've got two springs I think there's a spring behind the two properties there's a spring on the other side of our street behind my house um, so they can tie maybe some of the drainage into that spring that goes down through the green spaces behind my house that goes ties into the little Miami and the tributaries that go into that so I think that is one of the major issues that needs to be addressed the other one and and this is kind of just an idea that, to throw out but maybe there should be um, maybe a neighborhood committee that's put in place to work with the development of this this property especially the neighbors that are affected mainly by it so that they're like that um, the lady that lives across the street was saying and I'm, I'm sorry uh, Kim, Kim um, I, I think that a neighborhood committee being part of this transition if it goes through would be I think helpful to the community to let them know that their voices are being heard or listen to or maybe thinking outside the box or getting other ideas or the, the wonderful information that you shared you know that's a different perspective but um and you know being there for a long period of time we went through a lot of things when the school was built and the whole neighborhood was developed around the time after the time that I moved in the only thing that was there was the belong store a big white double white farmhouse that was by the belong store a little strip mall of a barber shop and a convenience store and there was hardly anything else there maybe a gas station on the corner and maybe a few apartments so I've seen a lot of building going on all around me for the number of years 37 years that I've been in the property so I, I think I think that neighborhoods and businesses can work together to solve some of these problems and maybe create the best working conditions for everybody involved and I think that maybe some of the neighborhood would benefit from being part of this ongoing transition and I appreciate everyone that's here tonight and all their views and all their information and their perspectives so thank you very much
any other speakers in opposition? Okay. There was a there was a request for five minutes. I just need to use the restroom. <laughs> Is that okay, Mr. President? Okay. Right. We'll do a quick, quick five-minute recess. <laughs>
broken glass in the backyard is not fun. That's not his fault, but it just comes with territory. I did ask for a fence, um, but because he don't own the property, they said they're not willing to do that. But they do have an agreement with those offices. So I feel like they should be somewhat reliable for that. Um, but I do know what, the, what they're gonna have to go through with parking right there. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Any other speakers in opposition? I'm sorry, I'll be really That's quick. Right. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Um, he, he had to get up and sit down. Get up and sit down is all. My name's Amanda Ludi King, 8312 Patrillo Lane. I'm across the street. Um, okay. Yeah, on the other side. And I did have something planned to say, but I'm, everybody has said everything. I was just going to mention because I have four young kids, and there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood. Um, just from a perspective of a parent and kids being out there and the reason we chose to move into a neighborhood which i'm sure a lot of people do especially with children is you know your children are playing outside and you want the views of you know yards and neighbors and friends and trees and um you know we we, we did not move there with that intention you know we knew that that area was zoned res residential um and we do not want that to change and and see we, we we saw i was trying to see i was on the side i could not see what the the drawings looked like um but it is just a computer generated drawing and in the winter what are those trees going to look like versus the summer and how long is that going to take and what am i going to be looking at and can anybody really say thank you thank you any other speakers in opposition All right, Mr. Burke. Go ahead. Go ahead. My name is Scott Mask. I live in uh, 8353 Petrola Lane as well, and I also have three small uh, young children. So I kind of echoed a lot of the sentiments that uh, people are sharing. But there was this point of discussion that people talked about with like sharing parking lot spots with CHCA, and that was part of the premise. And you know, I see all people like nodding in agreement. Oh, they're definitely going to do that. Is that anywhere in writing? Like these are the number of spots we're going to share and this is when it's going to be dictated and these are the times because if it's not how can you prove that's ever going to happen so that was just the, kind of the only thing i wanted to add okay thank, thank you. you mr burke the floor is yours thank you and and i appreciate your flexibility and the time you have given to this tonight I, don't think a, I haven't heard anybody who disputes the fact that you have a very good restaurant making this application. That's not in dispute. And those folks who rave about how good the restaurant is and the good things that they do, that's fine. But I haven't heard any of them say, we'd be willing to buy and live in one of the homes that's going to be immediately adjacent to this expanded parking lot. It's those homeowners on whose behalf I'm speaking tonight. Colin Rademacher of 8343 Padrilla is who retained us. Colin is at home tonight recovering from his third bout of COVID. So he's okay. wisely staying at home. Colin's house 
is on the east side and covers almost the entire area that will now be the expanded detention pond. And to the extent that it's been suggested that they're building everything according to code, I would challenge that to begin with. There is a legal requirement in your zoning code for a 25-foot setback from the property line. And the purpose of that buffer yard area, according to your zoning resolution, is a linear area adjacent to a size or rear property line that is set aside for use as a screen for line of sight, nose suppression, noise suppression, or other nuisance-related purpose. A detention pond isn't a part of that. That detention pond is within 13 feet of almost the entire length of the Rademacher rear property line. So whatever else may have been said, just beginning with that, which may be viewed as something of a minor point, it suggests that this is not being done in accordance with the zoning code because as it was said before the zoning commission, and, and I respect the fact that when he testified before the zoning commission, he was very clear in saying, we want to get as many parking spaces as we can possibly get on that property. That was their goal. And while it was suggested tonight that there has been some grand compromise to reduce the number of parking spaces, when they were before the Zoning Commission, they wanted a total of 273 parking spaces on their combined property. That's not counting the shared parking spaces on the office site to the east. Today, they are before you asking for 265 total parking spaces. So their grand compromise is to have reduced the number of parking spaces they are seeking by eight. And it's because they are still trying to jam as many parking spaces as they can onto that site that you have a problem like you have at the Rademacher property line where you have a detention pond that needs to be made much bigger because you're gonna have so much more impervious surface and it needs to be put that close to the Rademacher line because they don't have any other place to put it once they create all that impervious surface. And I believe it was Trustee Lease who asked the question to begin with early on, some hours ago in this process tonight. How many parking spaces do you, are you required and how many do you really need? And they're required under the zoning code and, and the Hamilton County Regional Planning Commission staff has said this both in writing and tonight, I believe here, that they only are required to have 108 parking spaces. They now are asking you to approve a total of 265 parking spaces, which is two and a half times more than is required by code. I understand, and nobody disputes, they may need some more parking spaces, but is it that huge of an increase in parking spaces that they need to meet their needs? And I hear their grand offer to say, oh, we're going to share parking with the school. I'm not even sure it's legal 
for them to enter into any kind of an agreement to do that. You are zoning for the use of this property for the restaurant. That's the purpose of this. That's the need that should be being fulfilled here. And, and Chris Finney, who I've known for a long, long time and respect, <laughs> you keep moving around. <laughs> um, Chris suggested tonight that I may do this, and he's absolutely right. The zoning that they are asking for on this property, by its title, suggests that it's the wrong zoning to grant them. It's double E residential, parenthetical, with subservient retail. How is this use being subservient to that retail around which it is located? It's not. It's not. And I understand that you as trustees are going to take a legislative action tonight. And I understand that you have significant discretion in that regard. But what ought to guide that discretion is your existing zoning code. And the zoning application that they have asked for doesn't match what they are proposing to do there because it is not a use that is subservient to the residential property that the zoning is intended to protect. That's part of the reason why, as was pointed out early in this hearing, that the Hamilton County Regional Planning staff recommended against this rezoning. The Hamilton County Regional Planning Commission recommended against this rezoning. Your own zoning commission recommended unanimously against the rezoning. And one of the reasons why they did it, and you may have gone and looked at their uh, the transcript from that hearing, but clearly one of the things that bothered them was losing all of those trees. Now, I know that Mr. Finney showed you a bunch of pictures tonight that were a bunch of trees with no leaves on them. What if that picture was taken next month? It would look entirely different. And while they had a tree expert get up and complain about the health of many of the trees, what he said in the end was clearly not that every tree is a dead or dangerous tree. What he said at the end, if you remember it, not many trees here are healthy enough to be kept. Not many. How many is not many? That's not saying that every tree on that property should be bulldozed down, which is what the current plan calls for. One of the reasons why when I was called by Mr. Finney after he was retained to represent the restaurant. Chris called and said, can you guys give us a proposal? And, and I knew immediately that my clients didn't want to do that because they'd just as soon see this zoning turned down. That would be their goal. 
but they agreed to sit down we sat down they came up with a possible compromise that would still have provided for 50 new parking spaces on that property I sent that to Chris we didn't hear anything back instead we found out <coughs> that a new set of plans had been filed they never told us a new set of plans had been filed we had to find that out for ourselves and then try and evaluate the new set of plans and I, I give them credit because I think they've done a pretty good job with some of the landscaping in some of the places but again to come back to the Rademacher property where there's only one line of landscaping the reason why there's only one line of landscaping there instead of the several trees back and forth that you see on the north side of the property the reason why there's only one like that on the Rademacher line is because of the detention pond being right there they can't put any more trees there to provide the additional buffer that they have on the north side of the site um, so I'm not giving up that there can't be trees preserved and when the neighbors got together the all of the adjacent neighbors including Stan Farmer who you heard from last and they came up with a proposal one of the things they did and this happens to be the original plan they suggested eliminating these two rows of parking and this row of parking that still would have given them 50 new parking spaces we never got any particular response to that except for Chris's argument in a telephone call yesterday afternoon was well we're spending so much money we got to have more parking spaces than that that's not what should guide your zoning decision uh, I know that you heard from Mr. Motes on property values. What Mr. Motes did was tell you about how the fact that lots of properties in Milford are increasing in value. If you remember when he showed you the picture of where Little Miami Brewery is, there weren't any residential properties right up against that site they were up the hill they were on mound street as he pointed out okay so he didn't what he did not do either at little miami or at eli's was look at the impact on immediately adjacent properties he just looked at the general area and said property values are increasing probably true but is are the property values for the five neighbors who are immediately against this property adjacent to it are they going to increase that is the question that really wasn't answered by him and the suggestion from an equally skilled real estate agent who you heard from tonight who happens to be one of the adjacent property owners is equally as valuable when he says based on his experience given what you have to look at is given the location of the property any appraiser will tell you the value is based on location 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 adjacent to that parking lot is not going to help the value of any of the folks on whose behalf I am trying to make a point tonight 
Yesterday, in a conversation with Chris, we were told that they would come in tonight and say, we're going to increase the height of all of the fences to eight feet from six feet. I didn't hear that until the very end of what he had to say, and it wasn't a commitment to do it. It was, well, we could do that. I was promised that yesterday, and I think Chris would confirm that I was promised that yesterday. I don't think we reached any agreement. I mean, Chris, you didn't ask for my agreement. You said you'd raise the fence, fences to eight feet. And, and because I do think whether they approve this or not, if they're going to approve it, an eight-foot fence is going to be better than a six-foot fence. All right. But that's been part of the problem because we really never did have any kind of a negotiating session with the clients themselves on the other side because they never responded to us. Chris finally did. But it wasn't as if there was an effort to resolve problems like how the Rademacher line is going to be addressed. Oh, we're going to build this new detention pond. And one of the things that wasn't mentioned is if you look at the current proposed site layout drawing, and I don't have the ability to do the mechanics, there is beginning on the northeast toward the northeast corner of the property there's what the plan says is a five foot segmented block wall that is going in on what would be i guess the west side of the detention pond and it will run down the length of the detention pond and decrease in height as it goes that apparently is a retaining wall, as it was explained to me yesterday, to help support the parking lot. Would you mind pointing to the diagram, Mr. Burke? If it's or just here. I didn't know if you could point to the site plan. You're talking about the northeast corner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here it is. West side of the detention pond. This, mm -hmm. is the, this is the proposed. This is the existing detention pond. This right. is the Rademacher property. Yes. The, the new extension of the detention pond will run all the way up here. And there is a segmental block retaining wall here. Runs all the way down here. And then we get to the fence. Here. Okay. Okay. So the block retaining wall compensates for the, the lower detention versus the upper parking. Apparently so, and okay. I, it, as it was described to me in the telephone conversation yesterday, it's a retaining wall to support the parking area. Mm -hmm. It also appears to be <coughs> the wall for the detention itself, mm -hmm. the expansion of the detention. Okay. And I would hope that you will reject this zoning proposal. It's 
It's not to say that at some point there can't be some solution that gets them more parking. What they don't need is as much parking as they are asking for. And the idea that they're going to rescue the neighborhood by providing parking to the high school, that it's really not appropriate unless the high school wants to be a part of a rezoning someplace. Um, and I don't think they do. Different, different district. You got it. Um, all of those things come into play. I know that under your master plan, at least the most current master plan I've seen, one of your goals is the preservation of strong, attractive neighborhoods of well-maintained housing. And under your zoning code, the double E is supposed to be benefiting residential property. I hope you will recognize that, and I hope tonight you will reject this zone change. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for affording me just a few more minutes for rebuttal. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the residents talked about harassment or something like that, and I uh, want to make sure, particularly in our current environment politically, that you all hear this, that we had nothing to do with any of that. To my knowledge, we had none of our people had anything to do with that. We certainly have. I've driven up and down Petrillo a couple times to show it to the appraiser, to the um, the drone guy, I think, or whatever, and look at it myself. Um, I don't think I ever turned around in a single driveway. I think I turned around at the end of the street. Um, so I don't know what she's talking about, but to my knowledge, we had nothing to do with that. And I want to make sure you all hear that. Secondly, um, people on social media can be very mean. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I, <coughs> you. No, I mean I rejected. I, I like it we don't happened. we don't and need I, that. Period. Yeah. I totally believe that. We don't need that. We don't need that period, and I reject it. So, but I wanted to make sure I said that. Secondly, <clears throat> um, Tim actually is an old family friend. I've known him for a long time. Truly, one of the most respected land use attorneys in Cincinnati, uh, with a uh, very illustrious career, and I'm always honored to work with him. Um, we did, in fact, respond to them with a letter, which I think is in your packet. We. Um, had a phone call, it was just uh, last night, I guess, um, about a few things, that the tan fence and the um, retaining wall and the, uh, the height of the fences and that sort of thing. I'm more than happy, uh, you know, for you all to make both of those things conditions of, of any approval. Um, people have asked for us to ask for a number of concessions, <coughs> one of which was to reduce the parking, which we had already done, and you've heard about that tonight. Um, they wanted, by the way, there's been a lot of discussion about drainage, a lot of discussion about drainage. And I do, Sir Tim's done both developer and land owner uh, uh, land use work previously. And it's an engineering issue that's handled and, and, and the engineering standard is that you cannot create any additional runoff from your property from the current condition. And what you've heard tonight is that we are actually gonna significantly ameliorate that from the current condition to the point of zero drops. There will be no stormwater coming off the site, and we're more than happy for you all to make that a condition of your approval. Uh, it's a, 
apparently an existing problem on Petrillo that we had no, pro no, no, no part in creating. And we are actually going to solve that by, as to our property, taking all of the stormwater and putting it out onto East Kemper. Um, as to the 30, well, I want to talk about the, the <coughs> Mr. Burke had a number of other demands. Lighting, which we fully addressed. They wanted, and Kevin, I don't know if you're around. Can you pull up the site plan? And I, or, and I really need to see the, the further away view with the office park. But my understanding was that there was a distance of how much off of our property that we don't have any right to do uh, put fencing on, which one of the speakers talked about tonight. And it was 800 feet or something? We, the fencing behind the office park? Distance? Oh, that's right. That's right. And how many feet was that? It was a very great amount of fencing. We don't have any right to put it in. It's not our property. And that was one of their demands. Um, uh, we, we responded to their prior complaints about vegetation by adding a lot more vegetation. Not that one, but the one, maybe one of the uh, site photos that shows the back of the office park. But again, it's not our, not our property. It's not that big a deal, Kevin. Um, we have less light on our property than was demanded by them emanating from our property and that's a scientific study and we will meet that standard. Um, their own witnesses, particularly Mr. Goldberg, but others have said we don't have enough parking, that parking is a problem and I think anybody who, every single time I've ever visited the Silver Spring House, which isn't a lot because I live down in Anderson, Chris, but can when I, I do just come out, say one thing? Are you refuting what he's talking or are you just redoing your, can you? No, he's saying we didn't negotiate with him and I'm going uh, okay. point by point through his demand letter saying okay. we've addressed almost every one of his issues except the core issue, which is to cut the parking in half, which, yes, I have uh, two Joes that are putting their capital at risk and their livelihood at risk to invest in this, and they believe that they need to get the parking that they have compromised down to on that property for that. Um, as to the 30-foot setback issue, um, go back to the site plan, Kevin. Um, uh, by the way, I note that at the zoning hearing, Mr. Burke made a big splash saying we're putting a casino here, and he didn't bring that up tonight. And this is another respectfully red herring on the site issue. The, the buffer or side yard setback is set forth in the zoning code, section 31-3-18. An area of healthy and viable vegetation, natural or planted, adjoining or surrounding a land use, and unoccupied in its entirety by any building or structure, paving or portion of such land for the purposes of separating, screening, and softening the effects of the land use. No part of this buffer shall be used for active recreation, parking, or interior access drives. A buffer may include a wall, may include a wall, fence, berm, connecting driveways, underground utilities, and permitted signage as provided in accordance with the provisions of a related code. It can include such things as walls, fences, berms and driveways, none of which that buffer zone has. So we have a 60-foot <coughs> buffer that's between the Rademacher property and the, sub and the parking lot, and um, plus a fence, plus vegetation there, and uh, that is adequate buffer. I don't think that 
Hamilton County's uh, Planning Commission staff would disagree with that. I'm not going <coughs> to put him on the spot on short order for that. But um, I don't, I don't, the, the argument when you read the, your own definition in the zoning code for the buffer, um, we qualify. Um, we have no intention of increasing hours. Uh, you know, they create, like I said, the casino, you know, they create this boogeyman, all this horrible thing's going to happen. We have no intention of doing any of those things. Uh, outdoor concerts, we have no intention of doing any of those things. Um, as the testimony has shown, we've been a good neighbor, extremely responsible operator since 1988, and we intend to continue to do that. I really thank you all for your tremendous patience tonight. I know this has been a very long, and doing this time and time again has to be really challenging for you all. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Okay. So I have a question for both Chris and Tim. We've got tremendous, we've heard tremendous discord this evening. My question is, if this hearing were continued, would you be able to find compromise? Um, for a number of reasons. First of all, I don't think so. I think the core argument is about the number of spaces. Secondly, um, we've talked to our team about the construction schedule, and if we don't move forward on the time frame that we have, we have a problem getting paving in by when the paving plants close at Thanksgiving. Is that right? So delay is going to be very costly to us to do that. We obviously want to work with the neighbors if there's something reasonable, um, but I think we've explored pretty much everything except for this significant reduction in the parking spaces and it's just not possible to do that from our perspective economically. So Mr. Burke may have a different view of that, but that's my answer. I said no. I think that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Okay. Is that your opinion? Okay. Um, we tried and as Chris knows, I asked him several times if there was a response to these clients. That came almost a month after we had made a proposal. There was no, it wasn't the kind of give and take that I'm used to. I'm used to that. Sometimes I can look, sometimes I can't look. I know that. But Chris, is this, because, is this really because you came into the game late? I don't, I don't think that's, that's the reason at all. Um, we didn't, I mean, we came in after the uh, planning commission or zoning commission meeting, but um, from our perspective, again, we did compromise on every single point they asked for. We met them either full way or part way on the number of spaces. The vegetation <coughs> is four times what code requires. The lighting is what they want. The drainage is absolutely what everyone wants, whether they want to believe it or not. Um, we've done everything they've asked for except for the reduction of those spaces, which our, my client just believes economically he cannot do. Okay. Literally, we've done everything they've asked for, and, and we have reduced the number of spaces to get to that point. How many spaces did you reduce it by? It was eight taken out of the plant. Eight. Eight. So, question, Tim. Um, where did the 50 space, where did that come from? What, what's driving that? <coughs> Frankly, there was a real effort. Chris is right. They, the neighbors wanted to significantly reduce the number of parking spaces. What they did 
that number came from eliminating two rows farthest to the north and the one row farthest to the east. That's where <coughs> those numbers came from. Okay. And that had the impact both of eliminating parking spaces and eliminating impervious surface, creating more of an ability to reduce the size of the, the detention basin, <coughs> and hopefully to create more of an opportunity to save at least a few trees on the property. Actually, I think it's a few more spaces than 50, actually. Maybe more around 55 with all the side parking. The rows, mm -hmm. each row is about <coughs> Can the detention pond, um, getting back to Brian, can the detention pond geometry be be tweaked? Like instead of this big, can it be uh, can it be deeper? Longer, deeper. Could it be deeper? Without going to a civil engineer to exactly get that, I, my opinion is as of right now is probably not because there's an existing or uh, structure that's there at a certain elevation. Okay. The out thing. outlet drains, what you're really saying. Yes, the yeah. outlet drains, yes, are set at a certain elevation. And I'm digging deeper, probably won't. Maybe it'll just make it a wet pond at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, so it won't actually drain. So, But again, without consulting the civil engineer to know for sure, mm -hmm. that would just be my concern. Okay. <coughs> <coughs> Yes, I mean, if the question was, <clears throat> can the board discuss this? I mean, you can. We're technically we're still in the public hearing. Yes, um, generally, your the, you know your primary discussion would be once there's been once you're ready to take action okay. on on the resolution, if you are. Okay, I, this is what also I have to say is I've been sitting here since seven o'clock. And I've heard a lot of testimony. And I I am one of these thought process. I like have to rethink everything. I would want to go back and watch the tape. So I don't think I can make a decision tonight because I, I, I mean we can set it out for a week or, or two weeks, but I have to go back and I have to listen to everybody because I want to give everybody a fair chance. Um, I'd really like to see some negotiation going on because I think the residents could benefit and if it would be a little bit more give and take, I think it could be worked out. So I would like to see it try to be worked out before we have to make a decision because, you know, I think it's a win-win for both of you versus one of you is going to lose. And so at what I'm saying, so I, I'm not ready to vote tonight because there was a lot presented and I want to make sure I, I make a right decision and a good decision and a fair decision. So if we want to set it out, I mean, I can set it out. I know you want to get started or if, I, 
I just have to think about this because I want to be fair to everybody. Well, I came into this knowing that the two, two parties were trying to negotiate and I see where some things have been negotiated and the question becomes one with Mrs. Lease, is there further negotiations that can transpire that would keep us from taking an action that may, frankly, hurt one side or the other more? Sure, I have, I have an idea. Mr. Burke, you can come up. I just want to I'm hung up on this. It's double if it's going to be anything, that is the I can't answer and say yes tonight without being able to talk to Robert. That is the appropriate district. Um, I I had suggested Kevin, can you get the line up on the screen and My clients economically believe that they can sacrifice a few parking spaces, not anywhere near the number that they suggested. But I had suggested, Mr. Burke, that if we wanted about three spaces here and two or four spaces here, that would allow us to pull this line of parking. The line of parking would stay, but it would move in, which would give us 10 more feet to give Mr. Rademacher more vegetation on the back end and resolve that issue that he has which he, he just doesn't believe we have enough time to address that tonight but again time is of the essence for us my, my client has uh, pressed me because they they have a, a schedule to meet for so trying said, we keep the public hearing open and we set it out a week 10 days could you like get it together so, one of my difficulties with this proposal which I'm seeing for the first time tonight after hearing all that long, they can't eliminate any parking spaces. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rademacher is not here tonight. Right. Okay. So, I, 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 so <coughs> I mean, you're always welcome. Like, why don't you guys set a time and a date? You can come here and meet in this room. Mm -hmm. However you want to do it, can we just, I mean, how much time do you want? And we can set our, uh, keep the public we hearing could, open. Could come back so that's fine with me. I mean, they don't yeah. like that. It's ten, no, I mean, 10 days is going to be fine. Next week. I'm sorry. Yeah, 10 days won't set you back that much. Or another hearing? Yeah, the next week. This meeting's occupied on the 19th, just so you know. This, this room. room. Yep. So what? Zoning commission. Oh, I'm sorry, on the night. Yeah, well, zoning gonna, commission night. We got another room, right? Bigger room? What's that? I'm presuming here. I don't we, we don't, yeah, we've heard everything we need to hear. I mean, we would just be yeah. that much information. <laughs> we've got that much information already. So, we know. so 
to, to the board if just procedurally let me just uh, I just want to advise you on, right. on a couple of things and it's it's at the board's discretion so if you close the public hearing no, I, I'm just, I know, I just want to say it out loud so everyone okay. hears it. If you close the public hearing, the statute requires you to then act on this within 20 days. If you continue the public hearing open, you can, you can schedule that um, for whenever it's, you know, if it's 10 days or whatever the, whatever the board's discretion and hopefully that it works with. Uh, with all the folks I would suggest that may be an appropriate step because uh, well like like everyone in the room this is the first that anyone has seen this that may give uh, mr. Finney's clients time to actually I mean, produce a, a, a new version of that plan so that that's what would come back before the board it, it would the public hearing would still be open Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and it would give them the opportunity to present whatever revised plan okay. that they come up with. And if the hearing is still open and they were to get together and come back and we have another continuation of the public hearing, we don't have to go through hearing from everyone. Can, I, can we limit it only to the changes from tonight? Yeah. Oh, it, yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. You, it, it can be, the, yes, the, the emphasis of that continued part of the public hearing can be on whatever changes are made. Yes. Okay. Ten calendar days or ten working days? Well, I mean, it takes you to Friday, so it will be the following week to have a hearing. I would rather do it maybe next Thursday night or something like that. Thursday the 20th. <laughs> Could we do Safety Service Center Thursday the 20th? Can you all do Thursday? I will make it free. It works for me. I just I was looking at these guys. To okay. See. okay. <coughs> what time? Okay. I, I can do me. I mean, I think we're either going to present that we have a settlement. I can present an amended plan, or we'll stick with the original plan. Those are the only three yeah, options, as far as I'm concerned. Based off so it should be a quick come. meeting, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Oh, quick meeting. Six, so three six p.m. Three options. We either go ahead. I'm all about that. We either present <laughs> an agreement. Okay. We go back to our original plan because we don't agree, or I still just present you the amended plan based on what I gave you tonight. Okay. And there's only one yeah. or three options, and there's no the testimony that, as far as I'm concerned, is needed. He may feel different, but. We I'll just give you one of the three options and then close the hearing and just then vote. So well, we're hoping that you guys can work this yeah, out we're with hoping. your clients, of course. Yeah. <coughs> 6 p.m. I'll be here. Does that work? The 20th. that half the room be saved <coughs> because it's wonderful to see all the support from Sobel Spring House, but really isn't right that the residents weren't able to even sit down in the room most of the time. Uh, that's why we're talking we're about gonna, the, the We're going to have it at the safety service center. Right. But could we at least start out preserving half? Well, we, so no, we can seat 150 people there. I've been there. Okay. I understand. Okay. But they brought buses in with folks, and we can't find them. There's a two-man. No, there was. That's not what I was asking. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
at the Safety Service Center, Sims Township, off Mason Montgomery Road. Second. Yes, Ken seconded. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Ms. Lease. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. Okay. Thank you. Moving on. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay. We're going to keep rolling. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, quiet, please. We're going to continue with the regular meeting. Everyone is welcome to stay. We've got lots of interesting things to talk about, like disbursements, um, reports, etc. Okay. Um, I move approval of disbursements warrants 82645 to 82767 and vouchers 119 to 189, totaling $690,013.93. Second. Discussion? Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Ms. Lease. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. <clears throat> Reports, Law Director. Thank you. I had a quite a lengthy report prepared for tonight, but I'll save it for next time. Okay. No report. Thank you. Police? Lieutenant? Not after tonight. I don't have anything. Thank you. Fire? I have nothing. Thank you. Oh. Any uh, any Kim, anything from Public Works? Uh, no, not at this time. Okay. Any committees? Other? Nope. Hearing from residents. Beth. Hello, Beth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Beth. for your patience. Okay, treasurer of the Sycamore Community Schools and I'm here to discuss um, resolution 2023-45 a resolution approving a community reinvestment area incentive for the Governor's Hills apartment so um, just starting out democracy democracy is wonderful and thank you all for your service it can be time-consuming it can be frustrating um, but it but it's really a good thing and I really commend you all for coming to I think what will be a good hopefully resolution. I'm not coming back for the next hearing I hope to find out but, but congratulations on getting it to where you did. So great job. Thank you. Um, I was here a couple of months ago um, on another CRA incentive for a different project here in the township and, and when I was here one of the things that, that I said to you is that I really think it's important that when we see these agreements come forward that have some kind of incentive or something that has an impact on another uh, political entity like us such as this the abatement that goes along with this that we always just make sure we have the opportunity to talk about it a little bit so that you, we know the impact on you and you know the potential impact on us. So mm -hmm. when we receive notification about this um, CRA, a um, couple of red flags went up for us as a school district. Um, whenever you see a 200 apartment um, complex, 200 unit apartment complex coming up in your community, it does make you think, okay, this, is, this has the potential to have some pretty um, 
significant impact upon our, our school community and probably in, more in particular our Sims Elementary School. Um, so just made us know, if nothing else, this probably needed a bit more attention than what some of the other CRAs that would come forward to you would, would require. So um, what we were able to do was to dig a little bit deeper into the kinds of apartments that these are going to be because they're the kinds of things that when we talk with other municipalities and other entities about new development that's coming to the school district, um, we tend to have answers, you know, we get answers to and it helps us determine what the impact is going to be on enrollment, what the impact may be on cost and all of those kinds of things so that we can determine is this a good development or is it a bad development. Um, the challenges I know you have right now and, and uh, our region in general is that there's a lot of office buildings that have a lot of vacancies and we're, we're going to have to just look at things that we never really thought we'd have to look, look at before, which is something like this, which is changing an office complex into apartments. Um, we did, um, we were able to, with Kim's help, be able to meet with the Ackerman group to get more information that I think was extremely helpful to us in being able to say that we think that this is probably maybe not a great development, but we can understand uh, why you would want to move forward with it and why we think the impact will likely be um, fairly insignificant, hopefully, to our school district from an enrollment perspective. Um, that being that it's almost all studio apartments, one or one bedroom apartments with a very low number of um, apartments that have two or more bedrooms, which would be the kind that would bring a lot more kids, um, it, particularly to the Sycamore Community Schools where they're looking, um, where lots of people are looking for ways to get into the community and to get into our school district. Um, the rent rates are also fairly significant um, that we don't think they will be bringing in lots of um, young families necessarily um, that may be bringing in a lot of kids either. It looks like it's probably more of a development that, development that would be for empty nesters, that kind of thing, just because of the, of young, the rates young potentially. Right, young, young professionals, professionals potentially yeah. as well. Even though the ones that we have seen in our other municipalities that all of those things lining up, we thought we would get young professionals and we've gotten empty nesters because they still want to live in Cincinnati at least part of the year. And um, it's, a, it's an option for them as opposed to live, living in their four bedroom house that they have to take a lot of care of. So my points tonight are, we are not in opposition to this CRA. Secondly, we think it's extremely important that probably sooner rather than later when these kinds of developments come forward that we have a, have a chance to talk with the developer, get an idea of, of some of the additional information that we might need to make sure that the development is one that, that isn't going to have a material impact to our schools either through um, overcrowding, significant increase in costs that far outweigh the uh, amount of additional uh, revenue that we may receive from the development. Um, as soon as we can have those discussions, a lot of times we can work things out just like you did earlier tonight and that's what our hope would be um, in any of these types of things going forward um, as we as we work through it. Um, in our discussions and, and uh, Chad Lewis, our superintendent, was also involved in this discussion um, and we flipped a coin and I did not come out uh, on the winning side of that coin this evening, so that's why I'm here. Um, he, you know, we both agreed that 
the sooner we can find out what's what's happening that's helpful to us and it was very helpful because mr went from uh, the ackerman group did um, give us a verbal commitment that this uh, the development that he showed to us would not materially change and if it would we would have a discussion about that and and that was in particularly about the number of um, two bedroom units um, keeping that contained. So that was an important stipulation that he gave us his verbal commitment to. Hopefully he would, um, you know, I, I don't know the, the whole process that you go through, whether that could be something that could be put in writing, but I feel comfortable in our discussions that, that he did make us aware, listen to our concerns, and knows that that would be something that would be important to us as a school district. So I think that is all of my comments for this evening. I know you're all tired, um, but I would ask you, if you do have any questions, I'm, I'm happy to, to uh, answer them. I have a question for Kim. Uh, can we put restrictions on this CRA? Um, <clears throat> we can, but it does not necessarily mean that the county will follow our restrictions. Because our resolution does not approve the CRA, it only renders support. A recommendation. Yes. Okay. Tried. Okay. okay. And that's what I think you presented <coughs> to me, okay. Kim, as well. But yeah, it's really we we do put it. restrictions in. I mean, there's a signage requirement in there, and we say you can't annex. But I know the county has told me they can't. You know, they can't do. They they won't do anything about our there are our requirements. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for Beth. sitting here for and thanks, Beth. three hours. <laughs> have a good evening. <laughs> Does the Ackerman group have anything to We're say in response? Yeah. Did did you hear anything from Beth that you're uncomfortable with? I don't know as much about school systems, so now mm. I know more and yeah. appreciate where she's coming from. And sure. Yes, okay. I gave her my assurance. If we okay. got to these 10 two-bedroom units, Ten. before okay. we got there, she and I would have that discussion to make sure we worked through that. Okay. okay. Good. Thank you. I didn't know what that number was. I forgot. It was, it was 10. That's okay. <clears throat> if I may ask, when in the process will you be able to identify that number? We're just finishing that now. Currently, we have three um, in the design, and over the next month, we'll finish. So, a couple odd spaces in the building, as you can imagine, and so we're just trying to see how we use those. And mm -hmm. so, we may add a bedroom here or there on a few more units just to use space appropriately. But we're not worried at all about the commitment that John made with the school system that we wouldn't have one. Okay. okay. Great. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Any other residents would like to speak? Nobody's here. Seeing none. <laughs> um, correspondence is attached to the notes. <clears throat> Run down the events and meetings coming up. Uh, Zoning Commission meeting Wednesday, April 19th at 7 p.m. at the administration building. As we just uh, scheduled the continued hearing for the uh, Silver Spring House uh, uh, zoning uh, uh, topic will come up uh, 6 p.m. Thursday, April 20th at the Safety Service Center. Uh, 
uh, story time with the library, Friday, April 21st, 2023, from 10 to 10.30 a.m. at Mead Historic Preserve. Uh, the Board of Zoning Appeals meeting Monday, May 1st, 7 p.m. at the Administration Building. And the next regular trustees meeting Tuesday, May 2nd, 7 p.m. here at the Administration Building. No old business that moves into new business. And just seeing, do we want to, do we want to move up the CRA? Can we do that? To make a motion to move up uh, uh, one, two, three, Stress. fourth bullet and down. Yeah. Um, can we go ahead and do that? Have any issues? Mm -hmm. Make your motion. Okay, I move uh, approval resolution uh, G2023-45, resolution approving community reinvestment area incentives for Governor's Hill Apartments, LLC. Second. Discussion. We've heard discussion, yep. we've heard agreements, and we've heard we'll have continuing communication over the next you month. Wanna, you want to announce what the terms are? Well, the primary term, um, <clears throat> well, to Beth's points, um, it, it's primary, the development is primarily focused on studio or one bedroom units. Um, uh, and we spoke about uh, trying to keep no greater than 10 two-bedroom units currently at three. How long and how much? Oh, for the actual CRA? Yes. Um, it's eight years at 50%. Okay, years 50%. Okay. Yep. I didn't know okay. where we were. I thought we were six. It was, and then they needed to submit some more information on that. Um, increased it to eight. Okay, and that's a county-driven ratio of numbers and so on, right? Yes, it's based okay. on their the worksheet that right. they have. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Mm -hmm. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Miss Lees. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Yes. Aye. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging in with us. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, going back to the first item under new business. Uh, I make a motion to advertise for the Montgomery Road Median Landscaping Project. I'm gonna second it, but I wanna discuss, discuss it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, discussion centers around, if you're gonna bid something, that means you have a plan. Is this the plan that we've had for a year and a half? Yes. Okay. And is there any any looking at reducing the amount of plant material on that plan? We have reduced it significantly since we started. Um, we've gotten the bids are just kind of all over the place. So. You mean you've already bid it? We've got bids. This would be to put it out in a public format because it's over fifty thousand dollars. Okay. All right. So I can't legally have you guys approve anything because if you change one thing in the one bid that we got, it puts it over 50 and the other bid I got was way over 50. So there's no, I mean, I don't have a choice but to put it out to bid so in a newspaper. So can we can bids see that how you've received or estimates? Proposals, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this would be our public bidding. Right. Got it. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Any other discussion? Nope. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Um, I'm going to vote aye, but I want to see it. Well, I want to see the plan. Back. I want to see the plan. At least so I'm up to date with it. Okay. So he bid yes, so bid me, and we'll keep going. Miss Lease, aye. And then you can see the plan. Okay. Uh, second item. I make a motion to schedule a, or actually I don't need a motion. We need to schedule a special meeting to conduct interviews to fill positions for Zoning Commission Finance Committee. So would this be before our May meeting? It could potentially because we have six people that we need to interview. So I didn't know wow. if you wanted to try to cram it before the next meeting or if you have to, if we should just do a whole separate night. Okay, I understand that. Didn't what do you all want to do? I'm open to doing it the same night. I am too. 15 minutes apart. Okay, that's fine with me. I, we don't need a half and an if hour. If we get more, we need 15. We'll just we back do 10. Should we back it up a little more? Or we can now. do 10. So you want to start at what, 5.30? <clears> and then can we get, let's see, 5.30, 5 5.45, 5 6.15, right? 6.30, 6.45. Yeah, that could work if we start at 5.30. Start at 5.15. You want to do 5.15? Let's do 5. And then we'll just knock it out? Okay. Start at 5. So start at 5. Yes. So committee. May what? May 2nd. May 2nd. Okay. So I make a motion to schedule a special meeting on Tuesday, May 2nd at 5 p.m. here at the administration building to conduct interviews to fill positions for the Zoning Commission and Finance Committee. Second. Roll call, please. You're fine. <laughs> Mr. Beck? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Mrs. Lease? Aye. I move approval resolution G2023-44, resolution approving. Oh, yeah, oh never mind. We continued that. We continued it. Okay. Sorry. <coughs> uh, continued. Um, jumping down, I move approval resolution G2023-46, resolution creating the position of conservation and parks technician manager and part-time laborer and establishing job descriptions. Second. Discussion. We talked about this last time. Yep. Well, you, uh, we already posted the position in mm -hmm. the newspapers because I've seen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. We talked about it last time, but we still need to create the position. Okay. And have a job description for it. Uh, no problem. Okay. Roll call. Sorry. That's it for discussion? Yep. That, that was it. Okay. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. I move approval of resolution 2G2023-47, resolution authorizing the township administrator to purchase portable radar signs for the road department from Clean Inc. in the amount not to exceed $10,000. $758. Second. Discussion. Uh, so these go where? These are these, these are those the portable, portable signs that you requested for Humphrey. But but they're movable and we kind of put the ones that we had as semi-permanent, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean so okay. we have two down in Camp Denison and we have two now on Snyder, so this will put two more on Humphrey. Okay. And how many are for ten thousand seven hundred and fifty eight dollars? Two? Three? These would be two. Okay. Are these solar? Uh, I believe so. 
that's the right answer. Ideally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need to be switching out batteries every two weeks. Yes, it's solar. Good. Thank you. But it does require us to spend $500 a year for cloud service for two years. Just so you know that. Why is that? Because the solar sign actually has a battery in it. And it's good for two years. Okay. So, so the bat. So using the solar to recharge it, and after a while, it just right. Out. But it also requires internet service to collect the data. So you have to pay for their internet service. You're kidding. Okay. Is that so optional? We're just presenting the data no. to the people. If you don't want the data. No, it's not optional. It. it just comes. It's part of their for two years. Yep. Okay. It's a two-year commitment. All right. Okay. And this is how many? I'm sorry. How many? Two. Two. Got it. Okay. Any other discussion? Roll call. Mr. Beck. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. Ms. Lees. Aye. I move approval resolution G2023-48, resolution authorizing the additional expense of a second sewer tap to serve the new public works garage for the Union Cemetery Road local sewer project with Metropolitan Sewer District, MSD, and Smith Construction in the amount 13000 for a total cost of 25000 Second. Discussion. So this originally, when we talked about this two or three years ago, our assessment for the sewer project that was just done out front was $12,000. And since that time, since they've actually put it in the ground, um, it's now going to cost $12,500 and we had them go ahead and put in a second tap so that we could have one here <clears> for <throat> this building and then there's another one across the street that had to go in for the vacant property that we own across the street at 9310. Okay. So really what you're saying is that we were thinking ahead that we we're going to need it here so while they're doing all the construction work we had to put in. Yes. I like that. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Ms. Lees. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. I move approval of resolution G2023-49, resolution authorizing the township administrator to sign a community event license agreement with Loveland Schools for the use of Sims Park and Home the Brave Park for the cross-country race on September 2nd, 2023. Second. Discussion. I just want to make a quick comment real fast. Um, next year, maybe we should talk to them about maybe they can help us do a run for our um, bicentennial. Oh, good idea. And they could like help us organize it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Go mm -hmm. ahead. The regional or whatever. Is that what the, this one is? Yeah. <coughs> this is their annual Labor Day one uh, that they do. Got it. Which we've hosted a number of years, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Wasn't. Wasn't there an issue one year? I can't remember what that was. The issue. wow, uh, they did five. No, they did. Yeah, they were charging yeah, people. They charged for parking. Yeah, they asked so. for donations for parking. Okay. okay. But I think many people took it as it was a charge okay. on and the township's uh, part. So that's that doesn't continue. Yeah. Right? right. Good. All right. Roll call. Mr. Beck. Aye. Ms. Lees. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. I move approval of resolution G2023 50 resolution authorizing the township administrator 
to hire Maurice K. Barnett to the position of service worker one. Second. Discussion? So they interviewed okay. several individuals and they've decided on um, Maurice Barnett and um, Spencer Blankenship to fill the two, um, fill the one vacant position that we have and then the second position will be to backfill Jeff's position when he leaves the okay. end of somewhere in the summer. Is this roads or parks? Um, I'm not sure yet. I know Spencer's <clears throat> gonna, definitely gonna be in the parks, but I'm not sure about uh, Mr. Barnett. Further discussion? Nope. Roll call. Well, first of all, okay. Roll call, please. Mr. Beck? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Welcome, Maurice, to Sims. I move approval resolution G2023 51, resolution authorizing the township administrator to hire Spencer D. Blankenship to the position of laborer. Second. Discussion. We already have that? Yep. Roll call? Mr. Beck? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Uh, I have a question. How many employees are we going to have now? In the interim, are we going to be 22 or something? No, so we'll have 14 plus, plus one, plus one, um, 14, 15, 16, plus the four of you, so that's 20. Okay. All right. Okay. Welcome, Spencer, Sims Township. I move approval resolution G2023 52, resolution authorizing acceptance of street paving bids and awarding the contract to Barrett Paving in the amount of $705,640. Second. Discussion. So, this, we put this out to bid. So, this will include all the streets in Montgomery Trace. It will include all the subdivision streets in like Antietam, Shenandoah. I, I have a question. Yeah. Isn't Barrett the one that screwed up the, the paving two years ago and it was above? No. We had, we had stuff no. that they had to grind down? No, that was J.K. Muir. Thank you. I, th I apologize to Barrett for that. <laughs> What's that? I was thinking of. I think the year before that, we had a bad There was questions. No it was two, like two years ago when they did my neighborhood. Okay. And everybody the, coming out of their driveways now <clears> hit <throat> that they didn't before because the pavement was too high relative to the gutter. That was J.K. Muir. Okay. So Thank that you. was last year. Okay. Or no, I'm sorry, it was two years two ago. Years. Because was last year was Jurgensen. Yeah, it was two years ago. So anyway, it'll include Montgomery Trace, Antietam, Shenandoah, and the Harold Hogue subdivision, which is the subdivision um, right off Union Cemetery, which includes Thistle Hill and Woodland. Uh, Allegro and Cosine and all those in there? Okay. Yeah, it's the whole neighborhood. Gotcha. Okay. It, that's in Sims, not the part that's in Loveland, but Correct. the Sims part. Yep. And was this within our estimate? It's a little bit over. But tolerable? It's not Hands more up. than 10%. Okay. Good. Further discussion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just looking at tonight's financials, and we don't have that kind of money in our road levy. No, I did point that out to Bill that we would have to, hopefully the bill won't come until September, 
like it has been in the okay. past. But this number that was so. the financial office, fiscal officers report tonight, that included the first half taxes for Yes, the first half taxes, but it does not include the second half. Okay. <clears throat> but we're also going to have okay. discussion, vote on an increase to the road levy here. Right. So it'll to be a 64,000, I think. 65,440. Yeah. Okay. Roll call. Mr. Beck? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. Ms. Lease? Aye. I move approval of resolution G2023-53, resolution authorizing the purchase of a lawnmower for the service department from Deere and Company in the amount of $11,665.61. Second. Joe, you got it. Discussion? So, if... In my staff report, I indicated that we had hired a contractor, two contractors to do mowing. One contractor, River Oaks, would be doing the mowing for the cemeteries. The second contractor we hired, uh, ProWorks, was supposed to do a lot of other of our properties, except for, I think, a couple parks. Well, he is no longer able to fulfill that contract. So we will be having the township employees mow. Um, we can't go out and bid it again? Rob's going to say, was there a second bidder? Not on the same pieces of ground. Like, they didn't bid on the same things. So, <clears throat> I think the township employees can mow it. <coughs> Excuse me. But we need more equipment. But we definitely need a new mower. And we might need some help. I thought maybe we could... One of the employees suggested that maybe we look at getting bids to do other things like edging and mulching and that nature. They said that would help them greatly if we could do other stuff besides the mowing. <clears throat> if that would be acceptable to you, I can get bids for that. And this mower we do, this this will be a long-term commitment yeah. uh, if we mow it this year we're going to mow it subsequent years in in house can we sorry go ahead no i wanted her to answer your question before i chipped in i shook my head yes uh, <clears throat> do we just go out and buy one of these on like off the street we can get it immediately or is this yeah that's why we went ahead and put it on the agenda tonight because right now deer and company has 30 in stock and all their stores around the cincinnati area so we're afraid if we wait too long they won't be in stock anymore because they go pretty fast they come in in the spring and then okay so. okay is this like a state bid price yes it is a government price okay mm -hmm. <clears throat> all right anything else Roll call, please. Mr. Beck? Aye. Ms. Lees? Aye. Mr. Bryant? Aye. I move approval resolution G2023-54, resolution approving revised township permanent appropriations for fiscal year 2023. Second. Discussion. Yeah. So we, every year, we have to submit our um, appropriations, <clears throat> and then we have to submit our any changes that we have to our tax certificate that we've already the certificate of estimated resources well we've made a lot of changes since our appropriations were approved in december to now so when i submitted the 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 changes to the taxes of or certificate of estimated resources she wanted 
she always wants a copy of our appropriations. Well, they don't match from December, so I had to update them all based on all of our expenditures that we've approved from January to now. And who's she? The auditor, um, okay. Tammy Disk. Okay. Okay. State Actually, it's now Kim Connor. Auditors that does are looking at 2023. This is the county auditor. Okay, gotcha. Right. County auditor. Sorry. Okay. All right. Thank you. Any other discussion? Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. Miss Lees. Aye. I move approval of the following expenditures and authorization for the township administrator to sign any necessary contracts or agreements or paperwork. A. Expenditure $8,940, Heatmore Manufacturing LLC to replace the outdoor grills at Sims Park. And B, amend the following line items. Fund, road levy, line item 2193-330-360-0000. Total, $705,640, increase of $65,440. Second. Discussion. The grills are to replace the outdoor grills that we have at Sims Park. They're pretty old and really don't function anymore. So do we, we even need grills? Do people yeah, we, use them? Yeah, we have a lot of people using them. Trying to keep people from bringing their own. Yeah. So if we can't if we can't have functioning grills, that means people bring their own and and they don't necessarily put them in places they should. Okay. We have a so. um, kind of a rotation program between our parks that will replace things on a somewhat basis. Yeah, that we're that's what we're starting at Sims okay. and trying to kind of work our way around. Okay. Okay. Other discussion? Roll call, please. Mr. Beck. Aye. Miss Lees. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. No executive session. I move to adjourn. Second. Roll call. Mr. Beck. Aye. Mr. Bryant. Aye. Miss Lees. Aye. Thank you.